Blockade Runner Podcast number 132. My name is John. With me is Ryan. Good morning. And uh, we are here to talk the Rise of Skywalker press scenario, situation, tour, campaign, whatever that is, Mm. um, that seems like all of a sudden this week really kicked off um, with a bunch of interviews and some new TV spots. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, And uh, we'll we'll talk some Mando, too. We have to talk a little bit of Mando because there was a great um, new episode of that show that came out this weekend, of course, as well. So we'll we'll talk about uh, about that, too. Um, So uh, but you know what, Ryan, we've been we've been kind of like through text messages and things like that. We earlier in the week we were discussing the fact and actually Kevin um, brought it up. But we were discussing the fact that like it really feels tame and calm right now as far as the the rise of Skywalker goes. And hey, aren't we getting pretty close mm-hmm. to this movie coming out? And there hasn't been a lot going on. Um, and then all of a sudden it, it, it really did kick in where at least online and in um, magazines and websites and stuff. Um, oh, yeah, there is a new Star Wars movie coming out that that happened this mm-hmm. week, basically. So, um, like I said, TV spots and, and magazine interviews will be we'll be talking about so um but you said you wanted to talk a little bit about um retail stuff as well before we jump into it yeah yeah i think uh we have um famously on this podcast uh been critical of hasbro distribution of star wars merchandise um especially in you know the the previous year um and so I wanted to kind of like talk about at least like the lay of the land where I'm at. Um, because as of right now, I am seeing Star Wars everywhere in every store I go. And as you know, I'm like, like my collector side of things, like I am being well fed and uh, I am... Uh, spending a lot more money than <laughs> I was planning on on Star Wars figures uh, lately because every time I go to Target to get cat litter or uh, coffee creamer or whatever, there is a whole ton of new Star Wars stuff every time I go. I That's awesome. You're seeing that as well. Uh. Well, I just haven't been in the retail stores too much, to be honest. Um, I haven't had the chance really over the last couple of weeks. Um, I did notice that, I think I might have even mentioned it on the show, but a few weeks ago I was at Target and I was pretty impressed with the the big like mid-store display that was showing off everything. But then the last time I was at a Target was like on a Friday night with my wife and we were grabbing a couple of things and I noticed they had taken that down. So um, that was a bummer. That was being replaced with, I'm not sure what, but... Um, but the the Star Wars aisle did look pretty stocked um, with with stuff. Yeah, I mean they had Galaxy of Adventures toys and at least a couple um, vintage collection. I mean, from what I've seen, it's still kind of been the issue of um, the primary, even Black Series, but definitely um, vintage collection toys is is leaning more towards the stuff from last year than the new stuff. Um, but there has there's you know like you get 
quite a few uh, Jin Ursos, or if, if not that old, then, you know, solo line stuff. Um, but then at least one or two kind of uh, like a new Kylo Ren or new Ray or whatever mixed in there in the Black Series line. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Vintage Collection, you know, maybe I, I would see uh, a new figure here or there mixed in with the Vintage Collection stuff. But um, but not definitely not empty shelves, you know. Plenty of mm-hmm. Galaxy of Adventures and, and plenty of Black Series and Vintage Collection just... You know, I'd like to see some of it be a little less old. Um, but then they also have, like, the Dio robot, or two different re- Dio robots, or mm-hmm. Dio droids, too, actually, the cheap one and the expensive one. And um, there's books, and, and they have all the Blu-rays of the old movies in the in the Star Wars toy aisle at Target. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, no, it's been it's been pretty good. Like, it's been pretty solid. And um, Target had the, the apparel, too, like the, the T-shirts and stuff. Um, that was looking pretty good in the kids section and and in that big mid store section. So I haven't really been to a Walmart or anything, but um, yeah, I mean, I, w- I would definitely not say that. And this is probably maybe better in a lot of people's eyes, but I would I wouldn't say that it's been the Star Wars annihilates your brain. Like there's you can't buy an orange without having a BB-8 sticker on it, mm-hmm. and you know everything is like every Ziploc bag and paper towel roll and uh you know whatever in the store is all star wars which i kind of like that but i can also see where people don't you know mm-hmm. and it's overexposure so um but yeah no I've, I've seen uh it's not a ghost town in the toy shelves so that is good yeah yeah and i think like we always talk about like our stores you know not putting like when there's droughts like there we always talk about how like our stores not putting product out do they not have product to put out or is stuff just selling out and i think the case right now is stuff is selling out like i will go to a store um you know one day and see like a couple um you know janna and uh wedge antilles black series figures and stuff on the shelf and then next time i go they're gone and I think vintage collection is going even faster. Um, those, I mean, I see very briefly and like what usually I just see stuff that I, you know, already have um, at this point. But then like it's there one day, gone the next. Um, Walmart had, uh, the Walmart near me um, had a huge uh, display um like one of those you know between the aisles type displays and it was like a celebration of the saga it was like a skywalker saga display so they had like posters for the first eight movies and like t-shirts and plushes um pajama pants and all that stuff in there but then they also had um the i think walmart exclusive um Yavin Ceremony Luke and um or no it was Jedi Knight Luke yeah Jedi Knight Luke and then um the Spirit Yoda um they had those and um yeah and like some 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 new vintage collection stuff thrown in there um and then but like the most wild thing was I went to um a uh, local grocery store which is called King Supers. Um it is a Co- uh, Kroger uh an arm of Kroger. Um and I feel like it sounds like a, a New Japan wrestler uh persona or something. You know? <laughs> um but uh 
they had um their in their holiday aisle they had like a toys section and they had something i've seen a lot where um it's like half of the toys are star wars half of them are frozen too okay um which i don't know i don't love some of the gendering around that but that's a whole nother issue um but so i'm i'm there and they have some like pretty like weird star wars um stuff in there and then all of a like i look over and they have just like this row in this display of uh black series figures and the first one in the row is the battle droid which i had like never even seen in a store before and so like i start scrolling through them and there's like there's some of the like the new ones like ray and dio and stuff and i found a mace window which is one that i didn't have oh, wow. and so i got a nice uh nice black series mace window while i was getting groceries uh which was kind of a <laughs> one of those well it's star wars season <laughs> experiences oh that's awesome yeah uh we don't have kroger around here anymore um but uh, I see in collecting groups and, and here on podcasts and stuff about how um, Kroger is uh, is one of those grocery store chains that often has the uh, the Star Wars toys and stuff, and they they have good deals on them and big sales and stuff. And and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so that always bums me out that we don't have Kroger anymore because um, well, it doesn't bum me out that much because I didn't really like it. But uh, we have yeah. Schnooks instead, and I really hate Schnooks. So um, mm. yeah, you know, Schnooks bought all the Krogers and every other kind of grocery store almost in Rockford. So it's mm. gross. But um, you have Woodman's. We least. have Woodman's, yeah. So we do that. That's better. And we have yeah. Meyer too, which I like better. And uh, I like everything better than Schnooks. I really, really hate Schnooks. But anyway, mm. um, yeah, I would say the online presence is good too. Um, like I was checking Amazon uh, yesterday, and um, you can get pretty much any vintage collection figure from the new wave on Amazon mm-hmm. at retail price, um, which, you know, in the past, a lot of times uh, the chase figures are the ones that were um, not as readily available, you know, then would only be available from resellers because they were sold out on Amazon and they were like then at a inflated price. And that was the case like with a couple, we talked about that on the show too, with a couple figures like the week after they came out. But now it seems like if not all of them, then almost all of them are back to kind of standard price. I don't know what the deal is with a Mandalorian Black Series, because that's the one I've never seen in the store again, I don't think, since Triple Force Friday. Yeah. Which um, obviously would be super... Those are selling for above retail. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, because, I mean, like, there's there's very little Mando merchandise, and, uh, you know, the show is obviously really, I think, taking off, and people are, are very impressed with it. So, um, so yeah, you know, um, they need to do a little better job with Mando merch, I think. Yeah. Um, well, although related to that, yeah, um, we are seeing the first uh, trickles of Baby Yoda merch, um, or the Child merch. Um, that's uh, you know they're saying uh, Lucasfilm is saying there will be plenty by Christmas, um, but from the first thing I saw was um, the hot topic stuff did you see that i don't know i read an article on cnbc or something which maybe i'll try to link to in the notes here but um it was like all t-shirts basically and the yeah. headline was like oh baby merch you know baby yoda merch even out by friday or whatever you know and it's mm-hmm. like 
Uh, well, maybe not actually, because yeah. um, it's just t-shirts and stuff. But I mean, which is great. But the headline made it seem like, oh, they've had these toys under wraps. They kept them secret, and now they're going to be ready to go. Yeah. And it's like it's actually more just like t-shirts and stuff. Which, uh, real quick, as we're talking about this too. Um, two weeks ago, I would have been really hesitant to just like bring up Baby Yoda merch in the middle of the show because mm-hmm. of like people in um, the UK and, and Eastern Europe and stuff who can't watch uh, the show. But um, the internet um, decided, and, and actually the official Star Wars channels yeah. and sources, and everyone decided, but um, we're not going to try to keep that secret anymore. Which, I mean, you know, how could you keep it a secret, I guess, at a certain point? Um, that being said, there were definitely some people who didn't bother trying even in the slightest to not <laughs> spoil that like right away. So I thought that was kind of a bummer, but, um, yeah, the, the unfortunate truth is just that, uh, baby Yoda is, I mean, it's not an unfortunate truth. It's, it's cool, but baby Yoda is a cultural phenomenon. So you really can't, um, not know about it if you didn't get to see the show yet. So it yeah. sucks, but anyway, baby Yoda. Um, and also everyone's just calling it baby Yoda and I don't love that. <laughs> Because it's wrong, uh, but well, like, what else can you call it? Yeah, if I called it the being or the child or like the asset, the asset, yeah. Even like Star Wars fans who watch the show would be like, "Wait, what?" Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're just gonna, I guess, for now, we'll just agree to call it Baby Yoda on the show. Yeah, that's not, I mean, yeah, nothing yeah. else to call I hate, it. I don't like it. I'm just I just want to throw that out there. I don't like it. Um, okay. But I mean if Star Wars has spent 40 plus years not telling you what a Yoda is, then what else are you going to call a baby of that species, you know? Like oh, the child. That's on them, bro. Yeah. Um Bruh. also, yeah, I think uh we'll I mean we'll have Mando's episode 3 spoilers uh at the end of the episode. Yeah. Um but we won't spoil anything during um even though like God, <laughs> like you kind of can't avoid anything at yeah. this point. I woke up um to uh go to the bathroom and blow my nose uh uh Thursday night um at like one thirty in the morning and one thirty in the morning or I guess it was Friday morning um and like I was just uh. You know, draining my sinuses, uh, hanging out, uh, and I check. Um, I just like instinctively. I was using my phone as a flashlight. I instinctively went on Twitter. People were just openly talking about Mandalorian episode three on oh. there, and I'm just like, it's probably been live it's... for like ten minutes, right? Yeah. 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 No. And... Oh, and well, and the thing is with, uh, I mean, every week I get up and I think you do the same. I know you do the same. We get up er, like a little bit early on Friday morning so we can watch the episode before we start, you know, our morning routine or during our morning routine or whatever. But the point is we get up early to watch the show. um, And uh, like all three weeks or all three episodes, I've been like, oh, my God, that episode was so awesome. There was so much awesome stuff in it. And then I don't really talk about it on twitter because i'm like i don't want to i know that most of the world's not getting up at five o'clock in the morning to watch this episode Mm -hmm. um so i'll just maybe post like one cryptic tweet being like man that was awesome or whatever you know but um i can't 
yeah, I can't really understand the, the, the mentality of like, I just saw a thing, so I will now start like openly discussing it on Twitter, even though I know 95% of the audience hasn't seen it yet, you know? Yeah, I, and I also think like, you know, you say post a cryptic tweet. I think a lot of people think they're doing that. Um, which is kind of like the worst kind of spoiler when they're like, I'm not saying what it is, but like you can infer pretty quickly most of the time. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Well, my I think what I tweeted on Friday morning um, after watching episode three, which we really should just be talking about this later in the show, but I think what yeah. I tweeted was uh, it was an emotional roller coaster. And I did think about it beforehand. I was like, are people are going to know based on that, that maybe like, you know, there's some emotional stuff going on between the Mando and the baby or whatever. But it's like, yeah, well, you kind of figure, I mean, that, that's pretty vague, I think, you know, so um, yeah. I could have been like, oh, you know, there's a really exciting moment at the end when you think things are going to be really bad. And then, you know, wait, <laughs> we're not talking about the episode yet. Okay. Yeah. I'm doing it now on the show. Let's yeah. move on. We got to move I think, on. Generally speaking, if you're thinking about posting something that you think is cryptic, remember that Star Wars fans are <laughs> insane and yeah. can read super deeply into anything and usually figure it out well i'm gonna go back to my tweets now and see because i think i think they've all been cryptic (laughs) enough but we'll see Mm. i do okay i think our twitter account is clean as far as this uh this um uh scandal goes sure sure all right um anything else on merch or should we jump into the rise of skywalker no let's uh let's jump in we didn't talk about the um the uh, Infantry Mandalorian, which is available at Best Buy, I just realized, for pre-order. Oh, yeah. I think it actually comes out December 16th. Yeah, so, it's, uh, pre-order link is up now. Yeah, but I was like looking around on the site trying to figure out, like, because I was kind of getting the itch. I was like, oh, do I want to buy this right now? Uh, but it didn't because it's 30 bucks. But um, do I want to buy this right now? And uh, so I was trying to figure out, like, well, when would I get it? You know, And I, I think it's December 16th, so that's... Uh, what three weeks? A little over three weeks, I think. So that's not too bad. That's pretty cool to announce and, and like, have it ready. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty quick turnaround, and yeah. it's cool. They um, I they mostly kept it under wraps. Um, I know, I think like Yak Face had like decoded the UPC at like some point, and as they so, do. Like, like we knew something along those lines was coming, like another Mando f- figure, but we didn't know exactly. Um, who it was and that it was that character from the show which yeah i noticed on the uh i noticed on the best buy site too when i was looking that up um they have a lot of their figures on sale right now like the vintage collection figures are 9.99 instead of 12.99 mm-hmm. and a lot of their black series figures including ig11 are i think 14.99 yeah. So that's pretty cool. The problem with the website is though that they don't have them listed as individual figures so yeah, you really can't order them like... online that way. Yeah, like it's like oh they order they vary. And you'll get a random one of s- these six figures, which is horrible and ridiculous. But the but the line anyways does show up um, as available in store for in store pickup yeah. or whatever. So I think you could go to the store and try to find the figures you're looking for, and and you know especially with the black series, like to say five bucks per figure is a pretty uh, mm-hmm. pretty good deal. So yeah, and and I, I can see the IG eleven uh, last weekend. Um, yep, and then yeah. yesterday, um, when I was at Target, I I got the C-3PO with Bandolier and Baba Frick. Um, See, I didn't and, even know that stuff was out yet. 
Yeah, that's what oh. I'm saying. Like, they're keeping me fed. Okay. Um, I literally just went for coffee creamer. Um, <laughs> and then I also got the um, Dagobah Cave three-pack. Yeah, yeah, with the Spirit um, Yoda, yeah. Which, uh, which is insanely overpriced. Um, but... I'm surprised you got that because you were mad about it when they announced it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I can be mad about things and still, <laughs> still buy them. support them with my wallet so yeah, that okay. they continue to happen and I continue to be mad. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. No, I was that was um, during whatever Hasbro panel we were watching where they just like kept announcing original trilogy stuff. And we were like, we just want to see Rise of Skywalker and Mandalorian stuff. Why are you just showing us OT stuff? Um, which is why I was mad. But like, I love Tagaba scene, the cave and everything. Um, so I bought that, but uh, there was a 25% off one toy coupon at Target. So I got. So you bought Pose X Wing? <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, okay. no, I haven't. I haven't bought any of those uh, those pricey mm-hmm. things. I've been. Uh, I look at the helmets every time I'm at a store. I look at the Pose X Wing every time I look at the. Um, ATST, the Mando one at Best Buy, mm. which is like beautiful and it's crazy. Like that toy's been out for a few weeks now, and we still haven't seen it on the show. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, that's true. But um, um yeah. Uh, so we really should move on to Rise of Skywalker, but uh-huh. just quickly, I'll say that uh, <laughs> uh, Elliot, uh, my six-year-old, is uh, my ten-year-old is loving it too. But Elliot, my six-year-old, is really loving the Mandalorian. And, um, man, especially after we watched the second episode, he was all hyped up and he was running around the house and he kept talking about how he wanted a Mandalorian toy. I want a Mandalorian toy. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, you can play with my black series one, you know? And he's like, but I want one that's like the smaller size. Like he doesn't, he's never played with black series toys, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and I was like, well, cool. I will talk to you in April of 2020. Cause that's when the uh, Mandalorian vintage collection uh, figure comes out. So it's a little bit of a bummer. Um, and it's kind of weird too, that they have this vintage collection, you know, vehicle for the Mandalorian um now but they don't have yeah. a mandalorian uh vintage collection figure until april so um but you know there's a lot going on i guess in the toy world as far as star wars toys go so it is what it is but um but i just thought going into the mandalorian oh this is gonna be more of a mature like cool guy star wars show and it's not going to be <laughs> so much for kids and uh it has turned out to have uh, quite a bit more heart and uh, um, uh there's that word again yes i know yep i'm into it um <laughs> No, but it's 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 been more. Um, it's had more of that Star Wars kind of positivity and lightheartedness, and uh, just it's been a little more joyful than I expected it to be, even while still being kind of dark and brooding and serious at times. Yeah, well, I also thought like this. I think a lot of us thought this was going to be like the dude bro Star Wars show. Yeah, like I mean, we were like. I mean, we were talking about like how masculine the trailers were and um, and like, oh, this is going to be the Star Wars show for all the the OT dude bros who are mad about like women in Star Wars and Last Jedi and stuff like that's going to it's going to be the show for them. And uh, and then it turns out like it has this really broad appeal Um and it's also like uh creative team wise like one of the most diverse uh star wars things and it's also like one of the most 
risky Star Wars things that is set in the OT, but, uh, well, end of OT, but also, like, does, is not, like, as, you know, uh, doesn't ape it as much as even something like Force Awakens. So it's so, like, original, too. And it, like, really bucks a ton of the conventions from the OT. Um, so many times I've wanted to move this conversation to the Rise of Skywalker, and now so many ways that I just can't do it, because um, I texted you guys, I, I wish that I had the tweet in front of me, but somebody had tweeted out what I thought was a fantastic point, and you just kind of brought it to mind there, um, which is that The Force Awakens takes, and I know you weren't doing this in this moment, but The Force Awakens takes so much crap for being like referential to Star Wars, and like mm-hmm. The Mandalorian, every episode so far has been like just a... Uh, a, a treasure trove of like, remember this thing from the original trilogy? Remember this thing? Remember this thing? Remember this thing? Remember this thing? I mean, like everything, like visually speaking. Maybe it's because they don't. I don't know. I, no, it has been. It's just like tons of references. Like mm-hmm. whenever they can use something that was already in the original trilogy, <laughs> they use it in this show, and like nobody cares. And I don't. I don't care. I'm. I love it. I think it's fine. I think it's great. But it's just funny how I think because The Force Awakens was the first thing out of the gate. And I think I guess maybe too, because the story structure is in some ways more similar to mm-hmm. um, the old movies than The Mandalorian is. But uh, but yeah, like nobody seems to mind the lack of original, you know, kind of paraphernalia and stuff in The Mandalorian. But mm-hmm. in fact, it's almost like a selling point. Like, oh, did you see that item? Did you see that character whatever? And then like in you know the force awakens it was well, people, so bland people and loved, vanilla and boring yeah but people loved all that in solo too and didn't complain because solo is like another thing with like a bajillion easter eggs yeah and, but it had an audience like the tenth of the size of uh the force awakens so yeah you didn't have as true. many people seeing and it i think we're kind of talking about two different things like we're um yeah like no doubt mando is like ridiculous with the imagery and like hey remember that thing but it first it doesn't do it in an obnoxious way things just exist and um there's not really like a zinger of a line every time something is like referenced but i think um where it where like i was saying like it's so unconventional star wars is in like the pacing, the aesthetic, the um characterization, the um the obviously the music, um the type of story it's telling like um I guess this is a hero's journey <laughs> maybe, but it's certainly not following exactly that like Campbell's structure. Yeah. Um in the same way. So yeah, no, it's it's very di- it is very different. It is very different, but it, it's just one of those things where you know, like I haven't I've seen zero. I've not seen a single. I've not seen one person say there's too many references or there's too much homage in the Mandalorian. You know, um, and maybe that's because there's not, and that's great. But I just saw that you know there's so much of that in reference to the Force Awakens. So yeah, but yeah, and they are very. different. We'll get into some of like the <laughs> more egregious references that popped out in episode 
three when we uh, when we get to that part of the show. Now you say we will, but uh, I don't know that we'll ever get there because like we just can't get into the main topic. So let's try now. Yeah. Well, it's... I think this is also like this is telling right now where we kind of just want to okay. talk about the Mandalorian. No. Perfect transition. Perfect transition. Perfect transition. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> We're in disagreement on that, which is fine, but we're in disagreement because uh, every week on Friday or whatever, it's it's been two weeks on Friday, I guess, but since The Mandalorian came out, every time there's a new Mandalorian episode, our little, you know, Star Wars boys, like, text thread that we have going on where we're texting each other all the time, our thoughts on Star Wars and stuff, like... um, we have been lighting that thing up, like, so excited about all the Mandalorian stuff. Everybody likes it, um, which is rare, uh, very rare, yeah. as you pointed <laughs> out in there. Like, super, it's kind of impossible lately, but uh, we all like it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And everybody's really excited about it and having a good time with it. And um, Dan um, in there, I think it was Dan specifically, who was like, yeah, this is, like, what I'm really hyped about right now. And, like, the Rise of Skywalker, he's excited for it, he said, but, you know, it's kind of, like, not at the forefront of his mind. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, like, anytime there's the smallest little Rise of Skywalker anything, it kind of puts The Mandalorian in perspective for me because while I'm loving the show, like, a ton, I really love the show, like, it is not, um, for me, like, the same, like, kind of excitement level um, as, you know, Episode Nine is, which is not like a negative thing at all it's fine it doesn't need to be it's like it's totally they're totally different things but like for me you know i think what i'll always be most excited about is like the big star wars in the same way i wasn't as excited for solo or rogue one even as i was for mm-hmm. like last jedi or force awakens or rises i mean mm-hmm. it's just a different thing for me you know so um but i do see you know people are some people are feeling that way like the mandalorian is the thing i'm really excited about that's what i really want to talk about or that's what i'm really pumped for week to week or just in general i mean that there was a lot of talk about that over the summer people saying like hey rise of skywalker's coming out in december you know but like i'm even more excited for the mandalorian and that kind of thing which you know if that's your take that's great um that is totally valid but for me it's just like i get so pumped up about the mandalorian which is great like i'm loving it but then i'll see like oh there's four seconds of new rise of skywalker footage in this new tv mm-hmm. spot and i'm like i forget the mando exists almost you know so Ooh. that's hyperbolic it's not that's yeah. not that's extreme but like i yeah. i definitely am more excited even for the littlest tidbit about the rise of skywalker than i am for you know um like almost like a, a new mandalorian episode mm. yeah i mean i'll probably feel different i mean i know i'll feel different when i'm like sitting down in the theater about to watch rise of skywalker but like Right now, it's like, man, like, I can't, like, (laughs) my Star Wars brain capacity is like, okay, well, here's the Knights of Ren standing on a rock, but also, we have, like, this insane episode of The Mandalorian to, like, unpack, um, so, I don't know, I'm, I'm in full Mando mode right now. But obviously that will uh that'll change that'll change um I need to get i I have resistance reborn and force collector sitting here um I haven't started those I think once I like really commit to getting ready for rise of Skywalker and I start like reading those uh prelude books. Um, that will, I think that will help transition me into the zone. Sure. But yeah. yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I read Rise, uh, Resistance Reborn. It was very good. Um, I need to order Force Collector. I haven't gotten that yet, but um, I think that'll be a quicker read, so I should probably be able to knock that out uh, fairly easily before the movie um, gets here. But the movie is going to get here soon, and as a result, the press season is like really in full gear. Just this last week, it, it started to kick off. So um, let's talk about these two TV spots quickly, one called The mm-hmm. End, one called Fate. They're both up on the Star Wars YouTube channel, which is great. Um, but they both kind of came out on Twitter first in 4 by 3 cropped like um, versions there. So especially with The End, which is the first one that came out, like I watched it like 25 times on my phone on Twitter. Um, and then like eight hours later or something, the widescreen, uh, version came out on YouTube and it was like, Oh my God, there's so much more that I'm not even seeing in this, in this Twitter version. So, um, I'm just glad they're putting those up on, on YouTube for sure. But yeah, there's two, uh, new TV spots. The end is one and fate is the other. And, uh, you know, we need, we don't need to like get into them super hardcore. I know some people are like not even wanting to watch the, um, TV spots because they just don't want to, uh, you're, you're watching them. I'm watching them one time, and that's it. Okay. Um, and then um, I'm not. I'm not rewatching them. I'm not. You know, breaking them down frame by frame, which I don't need to because Twitter does that for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I'm watching them one time because I know the images will show up on my Twitter feed. So I'd rather just have the context. Um, rather than, like, totally avoid them. Because, basically, if you want to avoid episode 9 right now, like, you have to avoid culture and society, um, which is pretty impossible. Um, So, like, I'm watching them one time, and that's it. Cool. Okay. Uh, Well, yeah, if you don't want to know what's in them and you're able to avoid culture, as Ryan says, otherwise... um, then, you know, we'll have chapter marks in the episode if you're listening um, through a podcast app. Otherwise, uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, you can skip ahead. So, um, But uh, let's just talk couple, about a couple cool shots that are in them because you've mm-hmm. seen them. And uh, Yeah. Yeah, okay. So uh, first one that stands out to me in the end um, TV spot, which I love, is Ray jumping to the Falcon from a Star Destroyer hangar. Um, and we saw... Like part of this shot in one of the earlier teasers where um, Kylo looks like he's being blown back and there's this blue light on him and stuff. And yeah, um, I anyways was like, oh, what if it's the Emperor using some blue force yeah. like ghost thing to push him back? <laughs> Turns out it's just the Millennium Falcon like trying to get away from uh, the Star Destroyer or something. I don't know. It's the, I think it's the engine of the Millennium Falcon that's creating that blue light. Um, but yeah, Ray is uh, jumping away. Um, and uh, it's really cool in the widescreen version. You can see Finn on the ramp of the Falcon, mm-hmm. like with his hand out. So she's like trying to jump to, and he's going to like pull her onto the Falcon. So um, I know there's been a little bit uh, online of people being like, well, what the heck? They're in space. How can they do whatever? And like, uh, if you look closely, Finn has some goofy mask on like they had in the uh, oh God, asteroid. Let's not start like the gravity bomb space. Oh, no, no, thing. no. We're not going to we're not going to debate all that stuff. I'm just saying like it's funny yeah. to me that he's got like the little mask on because it's like, uh, well, yeah, you know, I'm in the vacuum of space, apparently, like on the ramp of the Millennium Falcon. But I have this mask on and it's just a very Star Wars thing. You know, like Star yeah. Wars has always had that kind of stuff. So, yeah, um, I think it's fun. But it's a, it's just a cool, like epic kind of exciting shot, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's cool. Uh, the next one that, uh, really jumped out to me was Ray and Kylo, um, on Kijimi, I think is what it looks like. Um, 
which uh, we're just seeing a little more of that snowy, you know, kind of environment, which looks really cool. It's got like the kind of cobblestone brickwork kind of look to it, but covered in snow, which is kind of a cool, um, different kind of look for a Star Wars planet. And uh, it's at night, so that's looking pretty epic as well. Um, don't really know what's going on between Ray and Kylo there, but um, they both have their lightsabers uh, drawn. And uh, but you don't you don't really see Kylo there, but you see like his you see the back of him or whatever. So. Um, cool shot. Uh, the Knights of Ren group shot is awesome. You mentioned that earlier. They're like up on some plateau type, you know, mountain type thing or whatever. Yeah. And it's like a helicopter shot. So hopefully Chris won't get too mad about that because he didn't like the helicopter shot at the end of Force Awakens. But it's a helicopter <laughs> shot kind of panning around them. And that looks really cool, I think. Um, and it's just like a, I mean, you know, nice action, uh, glamour shot, not action, but a nice glamour shot of all it's the Knights of, glamorous. all the Knights of Ren in broad daylight. So I think that's cool. Um, I, two things. First, I think, um, Chris's, uh, complaint about Force Awakens is the only complaint I will acknowledge and listen to. It's my favorite complaint about <laughs> Force Awakens. Uh, it's the only one I will give time of day. Uh-huh. Um, cause, but I like the helicopter shot, uh, at the end, but I also like people being mad about the helicopter shot. Well, um, and we should, we should point out that Chris is like profession is that he is a director of photography and, you know, um, camera, yeah. camera operator and like all that stuff. So like, you know, it's, it's like, we're a couple of dudes hanging out in our bedrooms, um, talking about star Wars on Skype. And then Chris is a dude who like, mm-hmm. w- you know, actually films movies and television shows as a living, you know, for a living. So, um, and that doesn't mean like, you know, his opinion is, uh, is, uh, you know, the only one that's valid or whatever, but it's just funny. It's like if we were talking about education right now, policy, you know, and we had an opinion on it and then somebody who doesn't work in education was talking about it. It's like, it's just two, just two different perspectives, I guess is my point. You know, everybody sends their kids to school. Everybody's like involved in education in some level, but then you have people that like work in education and they would definitely have a different perspective on things. And like, you know, like we all watch movies, we can all criticize or, or, you know, um, evaluate movies and stuff, but uh, it's just you know Chris is somebody who's like got that uh, got that background, but so does J.J. Abrams who made the movie. You know what I mean? So he he also has, he, he also knows how films work. So um, you know they both get to have a say as as do we. But uh, yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, so uh, before I even saw this trailer, the first thing I saw on Twitter was. Uh, tweets with this picture and like various like 90s boy band lyrics (laughs) in the tweet uh which uh that's good great i didn't see those those are good Um, that's good yeah yeah and i know we're both very pro 90s boy bands oh yeah uh on this uh on this show so that's that's the kind of uh, Star Wars content that we definitely support. You know what's a bummer though? My '90s boy band whale that got away. My white whale is uh, seeing the Backstreet Boys perform because mm. I saw '98 Degrees. I saw In Sync um, on the No Strings Attached tour. You know, okay. pretty good. Yeah. So um, yeah. I've seen. Uh, I've, I've been to some boy band shows, but uh, I, I never got to see the Backstreet Boys. So we'll see someday seen boys to men don't they have not like a boy a, band don't they have like a cruise is there a backstreet boys cruise yeah they have stuff going on they do have stuff yeah. going on yeah 
Yeah, they had a That's great new single. Them, I think. They had a great new single uh, last year, which me and my kids loved. But also, there's some um, allegations about certain Backstreet Boys too, which makes me feel uh, a little less excited about um, about mm. uh, supporting them necessarily. But I don't remember what the deal is. Um, they're they're more recent allegations though. So okay. You know, uh, like time traveling back to enjoying the Backstreet Boys in the late 90s, I think. Uh, they don't necessarily factor into that, but uh, it took a weird turn. Let's talk other things from uh, the TV spots. Knights of Ren. Yeah. Did you finish your boy band lyrics? They look cool. Glamour shot. Was there something else on that? No, that was that was literally it. Okay. I like, I like that. What is your favorite boy band, though? Before we move uh, in sync, in sync. Okay, I was more of a Backstreet Boy guy, but uh, yeah. All right, um, Rocket Troopers. That was cool because we see a little more of the like. Uh, what, what do you call that? The 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 tread something. The tread speeders. Uh, yeah, the the tank bike. Yeah, I thought that was cool that you know you saw like the the tank the the yeah tank bike thing and the stormtroopers on Cyber it and then bike. no. The cyber truck, um, and then and then in in the one shot, the uh, the rocket trooper like takes off off of the back of the other stormtrooper and flies, you know, off of the the tread speeder thing. Thought that was cool. Real quick, like when everyone was like mocking um, the cyber truck the other day, mm-hmm. um, did you? I don't know if it was just me, but like I immediately got like a really strong desire to watch. The first two Terminator movies in RoboCop. Uh, Did no, you feel I didn't. That at all? No. Okay. Yeah. RoboCop is a good movie, but it's a little too nihilistic and dark for me. So that's like not my fave. The, the unrated version. Any version. Um, uh, yeah, Paul so Verhoeven good. is not um, so good. necessarily my thing. Uh, um, okay, it's um, but the like the aesthetic aesthetically, it's got like oh. that same kind of vibe. Yeah, no, it's crazy that it's As like... the cyber truck. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and that thing looks real dumb, but uh, f- mm-hmm. I was shocked that it's only 40 grand, though. I was like, well, that's not so bad, actually, because... Well, that's what happens when you don't give your workers any rights and uh, union block them. You yeah, uh, yes, but, like, they've been doing that all along, and all their cars are, like, usually their stuff is, like, really expensive, you know what I mean, so... Um, well, the the windows don't work. They, I don't know. They they break easily. Yeah, well, okay. I don't know about easily. They bre- right. they they're supposed to be unbreakable, and it is possible to break them. I don't know if that means they don't work. Also, I'm not I'm not um, a uh, proponent really of Tesla specifically. So you know yeah. it's okay. I don't need to defend like Elon Musk, who is uh, an odd duck, or uh, Tesla, the company which is um, you know mainly cars for like super rich people. But that's what I'm saying. Like. Lots of people mm-hmm. spend forty grand on a truck, or at least like thirty-five thousand dollars on a truck. So, like, I was shocked that it was mm-hmm. forty thousand. That's all I'm saying, you know, because I yeah. figured, oh, if a truck is thirty grand, then a Tesla a version cyber is, truck is sixty grand. Is going like, to be sixty? Yeah, it's actually it's from the future. For a lot of people, it's it's affordable. Um, but the most expensive car I've ever bought is eleven thousand dollars nine hundred eleven thousand nine hundred dollars. You know, but for a lot of people, they could probably afford a cyber truck. And the thing is, then you're not paying for gas and. Uh, it's cool. I'm going to get a Nissan Leaf. Let's talk about the Sith Troopers. Mm. You see the the Sith yeah. Troopers in action in as well. In action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, which is really cool. Um, 
actually it's not that cool because you just see them like for a second they're but, just you red know. stormtroopers yeah i mean yeah i saw the yeah. empire magazine had like ooh exclusive new photos of the sith trooper or photo of the sith troopers you know like and i saw it and it was like a pretty close-up shot of them standing there and i was like yeah i know yeah. what they look like you can buy their yeah. toy and, and examine them from yeah. all angles you know so um yeah. but i will say that like these both of these tv spots the end and the fate tv spot is like mostly made up of footage that we've seen from the other you know the most recent trailer the full trailer um but like what they always do with the tv spots which i love is they sprinkle in some new shots that you haven't seen before Mm -hmm. and like i love soaking that stuff up especially because for the most part it's stuff from the sequences you've already seen in the trailer so like i've already seen like footage of the stormtroopers on the tread speeder things chasing Finn and Ray and Poe and whoever on Pisana. And so to see one more shot of the, you know, rocket trooper, like lifting off, off the back of the tread speeder, it doesn't really tell me anything I didn't know about the movie yet, but it's just a little Mm -hmm. bit of just something else to get me kind of hyped. Or I love the way that they use for these TV spots. They'll take like the lines and stuff that are already in the trailer that's out, but just recontextualizing them a little bit, like Luke's line from the trailer that's in these and, just the way they recontextualize them or just reuse them mm-hmm. um, just kind of, yeah, gets me hyped. Like uh, 3PO at the beginning of the end TV spot, um, you know, he's got the line where he's, you know, Poe asks him, what are you doing, 3PO? Um, but before that, he says, like, I think all we've done, all we've seen or something like that. And it's just like, mm-hmm. just gives a little more of that epic, like, oh, my God, this is 40 years in the making and, and it's closing it up. So I get excited about that. I'm looking forward to there being like 10 more TV spots before The Rise of Skywalker comes out. So. Yeah, and I guess for those of us who are, like, you know, just, like, I don't want to see any more of the movie until I see the movie, Um, even, like, it's not really even, like, spoilers for me, it's just, like, I don't want to see any more of the movie until I see the movie kind Uh of thing, Um, but according to J.J. Abrams, uh, those trailers are only scratching the surface of what the movie is. Yes, exactly, yeah, yeah. so I think there's going to be so much more of the movie that you haven't seen yet, you know, that, uh, again, I don't think that they're going to be bringing in lots of new stuff in these new ideas. It's going to be mostly different angles on stuff you've already mm-hmm. seen. So to me, that's that's why. And And basically, I'm like, if it's going to be on TV anyways, I mean, I watch not a lot of TV, but I watch enough TV that like I see the commercial for Rise of Skywalker like on TV when I'm watching wrestling or something anyway, you know, mm. it'll pop up on tv or you know before youtube videos or whatever so i mean i might as well just watch it because like you know it's gonna be hard to avoid if you wanted to and i don't but here's here's the deal ryan let's talk about this as we're discussing what we want to see or what we don't um we just saw yesterday and uh this came to me via slimo so thanks to her for always kind of keeping people aware of what's going on um in uh in that kind of stuff uh star wars press and, and that sort of thing uh good morning america this week monday tuesday and wednesday is going to be featuring i think uh for sure tomorrow monday uh although it'll probably be yesterday by the time this episode comes up but uh monday the 25th i believe is going to feature jj abrams and then daisy ridley is going to be on tuesday and john boyega wednesday or maybe it's the opposite of that but the point is um jj john boyega daisy ridley um, one each day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Good Morning America this week. Um, so that's fun because those interviews probably have, you know, quite a bit of fluff, but there'll they'll be a, a nugget or two that'll be um, uh, cool there. And just as fans of all those people, it'll be fun to see them on TV. But 
allegedly, apparently, they're going to be debuting a scene from The Rise of Skywalker on Good Morning America this week. I assume on Monday with JJ. Um, yeah. That's wild. Uh, and so, you know, as somebody who's like, oh, I don't really want to see any more new shots in TV spots, like, mm-hmm. what do you do when the scene from The Rise of Skywalker debuts on Good Morning America? I mean, you just watch, watch it, it, right? Yeah, you okay. Just watch it. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you just, okay. You're, you're going to watch that scene. <laughs> yeah, right. And and by scene, I'm sure it's like 30 seconds, you know. But um, mm-hmm. but still, I mean, um, that should be cool. Uh, with The Force Awakens, the scene that they chose to kind of show on TV before the movie came out was... Um, what a Finn and Ray on Jakku, wasn't it? Finn and Ray on Jakku, yep. Yeah. Running to... Yeah. Um, we didn't know at the time, but running to the Falcon. And, you know, they hid that, of course. They're not going to reveal that yeah. on TV. But it was it was pretty cool. It was it was an exciting scene. And, you know, we're not going to make it. We might if we make it to that quad jumper. You know, that yeah. was like, that was exciting. Um, so, and it was mostly action and whatever. But I, I assume we'll get something like yeah. that. I would guess right now maybe um, a little bit of the Pasana chase sequence. You know, that would make a Could lot of be. sense. Could be. But anyway, we'll get something on Good Morning America this week. And uh, to me, that's exciting because, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll get that might be the only scene we see. Or maybe we'll see like a little something on like a late night show, a little clip to. Yeah. I mean, that is standard practice, I think, for movies. Like when you have the cast coming out and being interviewed and stuff, they'll show like a little clip from the movie, 30 seconds mm-hmm. or something. So we might yeah. get one or two more, I guess, in the process. But it's just all of this stuff to me is a we're getting close kind of thing, you know, like I know we're getting close when this stuff is happening. So. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think it will be a Knights of Ren action scene. Oh, that would be awesome. That would be really cool. Yeah. Because I have a feeling Knights of Ren are going to look really cool, which mm-hmm. they do. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to be very important to the story is my yeah, gut feeling. No, yeah. I would and agree. so like, I think like, that would be the kind of thing where you're like, hey, check out what's in this movie. We got like six Casey Joneses <laughs> right here. Um, <laughs> you know where I could see and, them being a little more important, though, is if uh, if if the inevitable or almost inevitable Kylo Ren um, babyface turn occurs in this movie. You know, I could see them being a part of it because you need if he's going to go good, you need something bad for him to fight against, you know, yeah. and. His own his own brothers and the Knights of Ren would be a pretty good adversary for him there. So, yeah, yeah, that seems and I likely. mean we've we've uh, we've talked multiple times about the villain vacuum uh, in the sequel trilogy. Um, you know, we talked about it at the end of Force, Force Awakens. Awakens yeah. We talked about it at the end of um, you know Last Jedi after uh, after Snoke was uh, killed in like the middle of the movie. Um, and I think, like, you know, I think the vacuum is uh, pretty filled by Palpatine. Um, that's, you know, kind of all the all the villain you need. But, like, he's going to have, like, henchmen. Um, because I don't think he's going to have... I don't think he's going to be controlling Kylo Ren in the same way he controlled Darth Vader. I don't know that Kyle Ren will even be working for Palpatine, um, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. But yeah. that being said, like I, I, we can't debate this right now. We don't need to no. debate it. It's okay. No. I, I why? just. I, why? I, no, we're not going to. But I'm just saying. Like, yeah. y- y- why would I bring this up?
I'm just saying, like you say, villain vacuum, and I'm like, I think Kylo Ren's a pretty strong villain. I don't think there's a yeah. vacuum. I mean, I well, I understand what you're saying because we had that point, and you know that I like to get like all pedantic with word choice and stuff like that. But like, mm-hmm. I my the the reason I'm even like, you know, discussing it is that I think Kylo Ren will be a pretty strong villain in this movie until he's not. You know, so like I I you're right yeah, but I'm saying like I think 80 percent of the movie you're going to see Kylo Ren like running around like slicing dudes up, being evil. Like I think he's going to be a strong villain and I think that um and I also think he's going to be redeemed or turn good or whatever at the end of the movie. So I'm not saying that he's not, but I just I I think he'll he'll be pretty intense. He'll be a pretty good villain. So um you know, I we're going to get Palpatine, but I think that his role will not be like turns out Palpatine's actually the the villain in in The Rise of Skywalker and not Kylo Ren. I think Kylo Ren will be also and then It'll be like a third act thing with Palpatine, but hmm. remains to be seen. I could be wrong, but I just, I really like Kylo Ren, but I really like Kylo Ren as a villain. And I think he's a good villain too. He's not just a good, like conflicted, yeah. like emo guy. I think he's also a good villain. So I think so too. All right, cool. Um, we're going to maybe just go through these, some of these quotes and stuff quickly, but there's some great interviews this week. Um, and, and little profiles. The first one, um, Entertainment Weekly, Inside the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, it's a it's a zoomed out overview of the process of making the movie and what the movie is. And we all know what the movie is. But there's some great stuff from JJ in there. Um, one thing is he says he's feeling infinitely better about the Rise of Skywalker right now than he was about The Force Awakens at the same stage in the process, um, which is good to hear. Uh, makes sense because like when he was at this stage in the process with the force awakens, he'd never released a successful star Wars movie and now he has. So you'd think you'd have more confidence, um, as far as that goes. But, um, but yeah, he's just talking about how much better he feels about the rise of Skywalker and then also how much more ambitious the rise of Skywalker is than the force awakens. So those are both good things to hear. I think, um, no, no, I'm glad JJ's feeling good about it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I don't know. Cool. <laughs> I mean, I also don't think he'd be like, guys. Let me be real with you. This film is a disaster. No, of course he wouldn't say that. But like for me, <laughs> The Force Awakens is so awesome. So to hear that he he's looking at the new movie he's making and saying, what we did with Force Awakens was pretty cool, but this is way better. That's exciting to me. So, is um, that what he's saying? Well, okay, no. He's feeling infinitely better. You're right. <laughs> but but then when you th- when he says it's ambitious, like way more ambitious, I think that's, that's what I like. Yeah, that's what I like. That's to hear. suggesting where, like and we we got some of this a few weeks ago where he's like, yeah, I'm taking risks with this movie that I would never dreamed of taking with Force Awakens. It's like yes, yeah, that's what that's what we need. Yeah, to move, you know, to keep the series going forward and to like show us something new. Yep, like just in general. For sure. Um, also, I cut out this little section where um, Abrams or, or John Boyega is talking about how J.J. kind of wanted the cast to feel free to improvise dialogue and that many shots were uh, done using long, continuous takes to keep their flow going. He said, uh, John Boyega said, J.J. came back with a new energy and a new vibe. He wanted dialogue to be messy and natural. That got us all really excited. And then Oscar Isaac adds that it really captures the spirit of the original trilogy. So 
I know some people probably don't like that kind of comment, like, oh, it's trying to capture the spirit of the original trilogy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, in this specific context, what it's saying is, like, hey, there's that camaraderie, especially in A New Hope. Like, to me, that's almost the thing that defines A New Hope is, like, the camaraderie and the the chemistry between, you know, Mark Carey and Harrison. And so to mm-hmm. hear that, like, that's something they're really trying to, like, kind of capture in The Rise of Skywalker is exciting, um, especially because by their own admission, like, those three characters have not really been together in this trilogy. Um, Mm -hmm. And JJ has been talking for a while about like, this is the one where I wanted to put Oscar Daisy and John together and have them be on an adventure together for a chunk of the movie, a significant chunk of the movie. Um, So to hear that that's going to happen. And those are all three like great characters and to hear that hopefully, you know, it's being done in a way that's going to emphasize the chemistry that they have with one another. That should be really fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ray, um, Oscar Isaac at the end of that quote said on top of that there's the fact that Ray has and then stops himself and then Daisy says Ray is driving her own thing she's not what other people are telling her to do um, and she goes on to say I have skills that have developed but confident isn't a word I'd use to describe it she's definitely more in control of everything and can do new fun stuff but she's vulnerable and a little insecure about it all mm-hmm. um I think with the comics that have come out and even Resistance Reborn a little bit and just sort of some of the pre-Rise of Skywalker stuff that's been going on, people have been wondering, like, what is Rey's kind of state going to be? Is she going to be losing her connection to the Force? Is she going to be stalled in some way? Um, And uh, and there's still room for that, but um, I don't know. It's cool to hear her say that... uh, She's going to continue to be um, impressive, but she's also going to be insecure, um, which I think kind of lines up with her character, who she is and who she's been in the movie so far. So, mm. And then parents. Mm-hmm. The parents <laughs> Here we thing go is, again. The parents thing is not satisfied for her and the audience, Daisy Ridley says. That's something she's still trying to figure out. Where does she come from? It's not that she doesn't believe it, but she feels there's more to the story and she needs to figure out what's come before so she can figure out what to do next. Yeah. What's your reaction, Ryan? I feel like there's uh, there's some uh, subtext in your facial expressions and your, your reaction there. What do you think? I mean, I... <clears throat> I love the way it played out in Last Jedi. I love the implications of the story um, with her just being no one. Um, You know, Rey is no one from nowhere. And and yet, um, but, and I I felt like that was kind of like punctuated by, you know, that final scene with Broom Boy in... The Last Jedi, I thought that all fit really well. I thought it was really poetic. It rhymed. Uh, It was great. I was super satisfied with that, and I thought it meant interesting, way more interesting implications to the story than her being like a Skywalker, a Solo, or a Kenobi. Yeah. Um, But I guess we're uh, going going back to that, uh, that... uh, debate is open again to some degree um and i think it could be um you know 
a certain point of view sort of thing um where yes that's true what um you know what kylo you know got her to say and (laughs) hi kitty cat and uh you know um about her parents being filthy junk traders uh you know drunks dead in a pauper's grave on jakku um i think that's true but maybe there's a true birth like those her caretakers or the people who were she was entrusted to um are like nobodies um in a pauper's grave on jakku but maybe there was something before that um i don't know like i that's like the most positive spin i can put on it Okay. Um, I think uh, they will, her parents will be nobodies. I think that her parents will be nobodies, but she'll want to know more about how and why they Mm. left her. And she'll want to know kind of, yeah, I think like just because you know, like your parents aren't famous, they're not Kenobis or Skywalkers, doesn't mean like you would be done wanting to know anything about them, you know? So I think it could be as simple as that. It's like, yeah. Um, And also, how does Kylo know? Like, how does Kylo know who her parents were? Like, is it, you know, through the force, I guess, would be the suggestion. But, um, yeah, I don't know. So, like, you hear from some guy who's um, you're connected to and all that stuff, but also, you know, clearly has an agenda. Um, and, yeah, uh, but, I mean, she's the one who said it. It wasn't him telling her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he presents himself as, like, hey, I can tell you who your parents are and, like, why? Why can he tell her? Like, just because, yeah. it, like, he can read her mind, I guess, or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. but Or because they're so connected. And that's cool. But I'm just saying, like, your adversary slash, like, yeah. whatever tells you that. And, and, and maybe he tells you because he kind of can sense that you know that. But I, I just feel like you'd still want to know more, like, than just, mm-hmm. oh, they weren't famous. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's what it'll be, and and there could be some kind of surprise in there or something. But, um, I I think that they can still maintain the truth of like she she is just a special person because of who she is, and not because of where she comes from, mm-hmm. while still learning more about where she comes from. You know, hopefully, that's my that's my hope for the situation. That yeah, that would be you, my hope as well. I, mean, I if guess you, if you think about like where she starts out in the force awakens it's like you know she's obsessed with the idea that somebody's coming back for her she's scratching the days onto the side of the atat like she's desperate for belonging and Mm -hmm. she's desperate for family and you know i think like her friends her new friends and leia and whoever can can fill that gap to a certain extent but like you're never i think if you're her you're never going to stop wanting to know about your past like you just can't be like well you know i'm really good friends with finn and poe now and leia's kind of surrogate mom to me and you mm-hmm. know there's this force ghost that shows up once in a while and talks to me so i don't even care who <laughs> my, why my parents left me on jakku anymore like that would be something yeah. you'd work through your whole life you know you'd never be just like done with that i feel like so especially not yeah. just because like one dude said to you like well they're dead who cares and he, yeah and and and, and and in that moment when he's sorry but in that moment when he said it like <laughs> he tells her she's nobody you're nothing you don't matter to anyone except for me and that's just like it's 
it's the scene is great, but I don't think that should be a satisfying solution to that problem for Ray. Well, this guy, you know, this guy tells me that nobody gives a crap about me except for him and that my parents sucked because they were drunks and they're dead and they weren't famous like his parents. So I guess I don't care anymore. I'll just move on with my life. Like, I don't think that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I also think that um, Ray, like, her friends and, you know, Poe and Leia and Finn uh, and even, like, Luke in his own way, like, they matter to her, but they still don't, like, get her. And, uh, and she has, like, you know, she has, she's in another place, like, and that's where, you know, that line, you know, everyone thinks they know me, no one does. Um, like, where that gets really interesting, um, related to this. So I definitely don't think, like, her new friends have like filled maybe they filled a void but not like all of the voids <laughs> yeah 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 for sure um speaking of the relationship between um ray and kylo ren um okay. the author of the article here writes naturally kylo's destiny will lead to at least one lightsaber clash with ray abram sees the duo as two sides of the same coin we've heard him say that and daisy and, and um, adam say that so many times um mm-hmm. That's my interjection. But uh, noting, JJ notes, even when they're not together, they still haunt each other in a way. They know they are each other's unresolved business. Um, so that's cool. Uh, and that's very... That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's very in line with The Last Jedi and uh, uh-huh. and the way that relationship was handled in that movie. And Chris Terrio has talked about how they that was, you know, such interesting fodder and they're going to just kind of continue that further. So... Um, mm-hmm. that's good. Uh, Adam Driver rejects any labels for the Ray Kylo relationship. I don't think it's all one thing. Part of the fun of playing it is the boundaries of it keep changing. At times it's more intimate, sometimes less intimate, sometimes it's codependent, and then it's obviously adversarial. So, um, that's a lot actually more than, yeah. than, than Daisy or Adam can really ever usually say about the Ray Kylo thing. Yeah. Um, and personally, I that's what I like about that relationship is that it mm-hmm. is not one thing and that like yes there's romantic tension there yes there's intimacy yes there is a clear connection um but they're also uh they're also it's way more complicated than that and um mm-hmm. it'll be really interesting to see if the conclusion of the movie is to resolve those complications into a more straightforward relationship or if the resolution of their relationship will be that the relationship is complicated and it always was and, um, you know, it can remain that. So that's kind of my whole thing with, uh, we don't have to get into it too much right now, but that's kind of my whole thing with Kylo Ren is like, I feel like he is the most complicated and messy character Mm -hmm. um, and villain. And that's why I find him so interesting um, and so, you know, I think all these characters are going to have a resolution of some kind, and I think Kylo should too, but I kind of hope that that complexity won't be smoothed out and simplified in his resolution. Um, like I've said many times, and I'm saying right now, I think he'll be redeemed on some level, but I don't really want it to be this, like, clean, simple resolution, um, 
because I think like the complex nature of his character is what makes it interesting. And I think you could say, I would say the same thing for the Ray and Kylo dynamic as well. I don't really want to see it resolved in a simple way, but for it to maintain kind of that complexity in, uh, I don't know if ambiguity is the right word, but for it to remain, you know, a little, a little bit of a lot of different feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, there's like two ends of the spectrum um, around the how that relationship is going to resolve itself. I think there's like one end of the spectrum that's like Ray chopping off all his limbs with a lightsaber. Yeah. Um, and then I think the other end of the um, spectrum is like them like making out at the end. Um, and I think what we'll probably get is like um some making out and then some limb chopping and it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a lot more uh kind of in the middle a little of both yeah Uh, it's gonna be messy it's gonna be messy i would say probably some um metaphoric uh making out and metaphoric limb chopping because i don't think it'll get that extreme on either side uh personally but i think like the the intention's not right but the significance no that's not right either but the meaning of that will probably be there like i don't think you'll actually see them embrace in a romantic way and i don't think she'll actually you know uh, kill him or dismember him or anything like that but i think there will be a lot of uh affection and then also a lot of uh aggression between them but i think that you know his his story probably ends in this movie not at her hands but at maybe Palpatine's hands or or maybe um, through an action of his own that he takes, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I keep, like, what I keep kind of going back to thinking about this is um, I think a lot about the scene in Force Awakens with um, Kylo and Han Solo on the bridge mm-hmm. uh, right before Kylo kills Han Solo. And... Uh, I think it's there's going to be like something. I feel like there's going to be something that echoes that scene in the Rise of Skywalker between Ray and Kylo. I don't think it will play out exactly the same way, but I think there will be a scene that gives that is as loaded and uh, gives a similar feeling and it might even echo it like visually um Mm. but i don't know so you're thinking john snow and daenerys targaryen huh a little bit oh i don't think i can go that road but maybe i don't i don't know if it will go that far okay i don't know Hmm. well we'll see it'll be interesting um yeah i don't know uh and I love the fact that we're a couple weeks away from the release of The Rise of Skywalker, and I really don't know how it's all going to resolve between them. I mean, I can guess, but it's still pretty uh, still pretty anything goes, at least for me, who's not reading, um, not not trying to find out, Spoilers. you know. I, yeah. I, I assume there's no, I, I mean, I assume people don't really know what's going to happen as far as all that goes. Um, so I feel like if it was out there, it'd probably be hard to avoid. You know, it's the kind of thing that maybe like an episode of The Mandalorian that like <laughs> once people knew, they'd be... Uh, pretty outspoken about it but 
Um, and like, as far as I know, I don't know. I stayed away from spoilers from the Mandalorian too, but I don't remember hearing anybody saying they know they knew ahead of time about baby Yoda, you know? Um, and Anthony Bresnikin knew something. He knew that it was going to be, there was going to be a child yeah. in the show that the Mandalorian was going to have to take care of. Yeah. Um, but he did not know it was baby Yoda. So there was like that talk was out there. Yeah. I, I even knew that I think since like probably the time of celebration or something. Well, I say, I say knew that not that I knew it, but like I had heard the scuttlebutt. I'd heard some talk like, Oh, I think the Mandalorian is going to have to protect a child in the show. That's going to be like a big part of the focus of the show. Yeah. I knew that. Oh, whoa. I didn't, I'd never even heard that. Yeah. Um, so I, I had known that, but, uh, what I'm saying is that, like, well, thanks for keeping that a secret. Sure, yeah. See, you would, you would, you would accuse me earlier in the show of not being able to be like subtle in my hints about. No, things, I wasn't but... accusing you specifically. Oh, okay. I was just saying, like, yeah, no, I'm kidding. Um, but, yeah. but, but, but no, but um, what I'm saying is, like, to me, that is like basic. We know that the resistance and the first order are both looking for something important in this movie and they're on a race to get to it okay like we know that about the rise of skywalker on some level because they've talked about it in interviews and i feel like knowing the mandalorian is likely going to be having to protect a child of some kind in this show that's about like that level of detail and spoiler but like the fact that it's baby yoda whoa that's like a big specific thing that they would want to keep secret you know what i mean knowing he's protecting a child to me it's like not that big i mean it's like a one sentence plot summary of the show but knowing it's baby yoda okay there there's a big surprise that you would want to keep under wraps and i think as far as i know i mean i they did i don't know i didn't see i haven't seen anybody now saying like oh man when i heard about baby yoda two months ago i was so excited for the mandalorian like i think they were able to keep it secret which is crazy because it was an actual puppet on the set you know and i saw an interview with ryan johnson this week where he was talking about going to the set and seeing the puppet and thinking the puppet was like so cute and all that so I don't know how they kept it under wraps, but I think they did. So, so like when you knew it was a child, were you like speculating this whole time? Not really. I was just like, oh, there's probably some kid that he comes across and decides that he's gonna take care of, you know. Um, and like in the in the in the trailers for the show, we saw stuff that we now know is like flashback footage of him as a kid and i was like oh that's probably the kid he has to take care of and there's that shot of the woman like looking at his mask or putting her, her hands on his mask in in one trailer and i was like oh, that's probably the mom of the child he's taking care of and i was just like well, okay whatever you know i don't know it didn't again like i just feel like if you were going to yeah. describe the show in one sentence like you would include that so to me it didn't feel like any big like, oh my God, I can't believe I know this. Like, it just felt like, what motivates the primary character in the show? Oh, he's protecting a kid. Like, there you go. You know, that's just kind of like what, and I'm sure there was more detail about that kind of stuff out there, but like, that's just kind of what I had heard. I'd seen somebody tweeted or somebody said something about it or whatever. And I was like, oh, okay. But, you know, I didn't want to know more than that. So I didn't like try to investigate it or figure it out. Hmm. But, uh, let's Are see. Are we talking about the Mandalorian now? No. Mm-mm, oh. Not yet. Mm, okay. It's weird because like uh, we we've been planning on keeping the Man- Mandalorian for the end of the show, 
but we just keep talking about it all throughout the show. Mm-hmm. I wonder why that is. Well, we keep talking about the rise of Skywalker all throughout the show too, so maybe oh, that's also pretty important. What if huh? they're both good? Yeah, what if they are? <laughs> um, okay, keep going. JJ, uh, no, Anthony Daniels says JJ and Chris came up with an aspect of three PO we hadn't seen before. That's remarkably clever. They go down deep into ancient Star Wars, ancient Star Wars, and come up with something refreshingly new. Anthony Daniels also says it's a very good ending and a good ending feels right. Love it. Um, Oscar Isaac says there's been a very long chess match that's been being played between the Jedi and the Sith all the way back to the very beginning. It's an amazing thing to see that really come to the forefront. That's cool. So Um, is he teasing some new pewters? (laughs) I don't think he's teasing new pewter, no. Um, But... I think that it's kind of cool that the first two movies like barely use the word Sith and it seemed like, oh, I guess we're just forgetting about the Sith and this isn't quite as high stakes. And then in the in the last one, it's going to turn out like, no, 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 it's all it's all been about that all along. I love that. Yeah. Uh, JJ asked when force ghosts or what force ghosts can and cannot do in our world says <laughs> that's probably best answered by not answering it. So, yep. I like it, but it's a little bit of a pregnant, uh, you know, <laughs> um, lack of a statement there. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um. All right. What was I just? I was just reading um something about like, and I didn't even like realize it, but something about like how, um, was it? Maybe it was this interview where they were talking about Yoda in Last Jedi setting the tree on fire like causing the lightning um and people are like wait that's like a little bit further past what we've seen uh force ghosts do and i didn't even think about it like during the last jedi i didn't think about when i was watching the movie either no but but yeah there has been a lot of discussion of that and the fact that yoda seems more uh corporeal how do you pronounce that word uh i think that's how you pronounce it but um yeah than 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 ghosts force ghosts in the past but like we even saw that in from empire to jedi with obi-wan you know um and there's been you know i think some people theorize like it has more to do with luke's power than it does with than the force ghost power so i don't know but um yeah because like obi-wan's like sits down on a tree like yeah at some point yeah in jedi but he doesn't do that in in empire he just you know yeah yeah, he's more he's more blue glowy um so yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see where that goes and and uh, if the Force Ghosts do kind of interact with characters of the world more in the Rise of Skywalker, mm-hmm. then is that going to be a situation where people look back at the Last Jedi and say, oh, they really were kind of building this intentionally in certain ways, mm. um, or will people just still say, never mind, because Ryan Johnson doesn't know about Force Ghosts? I don't know. Um, yeah. Gravity bombs. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, speaking of Ryan Johnson in a Rolling Stone interview with JJ Abrams, um, I'm just going to jump to this later quote in interest of time. God, these questions. Yeah. See that, no, that was Kevin's response. I like, I like the fact that this interviewer asked these questions because I like having, I like giving JJ a platform to respond to this stuff. Yeah. Cause you hear everybody yeah. talk about all this crap all the time. And like JJ's not going to like in an interview, he's not going to be like, and listen, by the way, there's some people saying this dumb crap and that, and here's my opinion yeah. on it. But like, if you ask him about it, then, then he can actually defend himself. If you don't ask him about it and he starts defending himself, then he looks like a petty little, you know, like it, it looks, it's a bad look. But yeah. when you ask him, I think it's, it's mostly the, uh, the last two. 
that I'm like, God, how how did you keep yourself from like cringing to death as you were asking these? Yeah, I wouldn't have the guts to ask him. Um, <laughs> God, I wouldn't have the guts to ask him. But yeah, yeah. but um, he's he's asking about the the Last Jedi, and um, JJ says that uh, you know when he read Ryan's script, what I. F- uh, what I felt was that with everything that happens in the movie, and quite a lot does, nothing sort of obviated a sense of inevitability where I thought the story could go. And I'm not going to lie, um, as somebody who teaches writing and stuff, uh, I feel like that statement is a little confusing. Nothing sort of obviated a sense of inevitability where I thought the story would go. So nothing took away a sense of inevitability where I thought the story would go. So I think what he's saying is that, like, nothing made it nothing took away our choice or our freedom to do what we wanted to do and nothing got in the way of where we ultimately thought the story would go mm-hmm. it's a weird kind of a weird way of saying it but he's just a smarter yeah. guy than well, me i mean who says obviated yeah no but J. obviated J. a sense of inevitability it's like man i get caught in like a loop when i'm trying to figure out how that works you know what i mean like yeah it's circular reasoning or something on that but yeah um but no, so he's saying like, hey, he did a lot of stuff. A lot a lot happens in that movie, but nothing happened that made it so I couldn't do what I wanted to do. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, <clears throat> this is really interesting. Do you need to end on a note that's true to the joy of the first one? Um, well, you certainly want to feel, this is his response, you certainly want to feel like it was worth the journey and like there's something satisfying without talking about happy or sad endings. So he doesn't want to address whether it's a happy or sad ending, which is good. Um, the like challenge that. was to find a way to be consistent, honor what's come before, but also do something that's unexpected. It had to be something that feels like it's part of the piece, but relevant to today. And then while you're on the tightrope, ro- you want to dance. You want the thing to have delight. So you're on this razor's edge. So it needs to be weighty. It needs to be significant. And it also needs to be fun and joyful. Mm-hmm. It has to, you know, acknowledge what came in the past, but it also has to be modern and, you know, indicative of like the the times we're living in. Right. So just a straight up like happy ending, like um, Return of the Jedi style. Although even Return of the Jedi is not like the most obvious happy ending in some ways. I mean, that movie it's a weird thing, the Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. because it gets talked about even by me sometimes. Like it's like this overly simple kids movie. Um, but then I also think it has the single greatest and most complex and interesting and like weighty moment in all of Star Wars, which is like Luke throwing his lightsaber away and saying, I'm a Jedi like my father before me and all that. Like that is so smart and perfect and just like there's so much depth to that. Um, but then the overall package of the movie and the way the story is told and stuff outside of that element of it is a little more simple. Like it's just more of just like a fun you know yeah like the Almost first like movie. 45 minutes are like pure pulp well and then um, even but even like yeah that's true but then even like a lot of what's going on in the last hour plus of the movie is that too except for when they yeah. cut to the scenes with luke and darth vader you know what i mean so yeah um and honestly i feel like the rise of scopper probably probably will have a little bit of that going on too well i don't know I think probably everything happening towards the end of the movie or really in most of the movie will feel pretty weighty and pretty heavy and pretty intense, Yeah. but they'll find a way to make, you know, the character, it'll have a little bit of a upbeat feeling at the same time, you know, hopefully it'll be a little more smooth than maybe the juxtaposition of those kinds of emotions in Return of the Jedi, you know, or yeah. Phantom Menace, I'm, I'm to be honest. Honestly, 
Big I'm fan. honestly expecting something more along the lines of like Revenge of the Sith. Wow. Okay. Like not like I don't think it will be as um I don't dark is not the right word, but um hopeless uh-huh. um as Revenge of the Sith, but I think like like that movie, I mean after, as soon as Anakin, you know, chops off Dooku's head, like there is just like a a sense of weightiness from that point on that like does it's relentless hmm. um in yeah. in that movie and i think it's i think it's there's going to be a lot of similar feelings in Rise of Skywalker could be i mean it is a tightrope as jj says if you think about like mm-hmm. the fact that especially if you buy into george's I think somewhat revisionistic history of what Star Wars is in the 90s and into the 2000s, which is that like, oh, Star Wars is this great tragedy of Anakin Skywalker. Like that's what the move. That's what Star Wars is. It's the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker because he used to say that all the time. Um, mm-hmm. It's a six-part story. It's the story of this boy who is hopeful and innocent, and you know, fell to the dark side, and then is redeemed by his son. But it's a tragic story. Like even. If you look at it like that way, like Return of the Jedi is like this really hopeful, positive ending because the rebels win and Luke wins and everybody wins, you know. But if you look at it as Anakin's story, it's like, well, Anakin, you know, does something great in the end. But mm-hmm. what he did is he saved his son's life and then died. You know what I mean? And the last mm-hmm. 30 years of his life was genocide and slaughter. You know what I mean? So it's not really like yeah. if you if you really do look at it as like that six part story, then it's more tragic with just like a, a bright spot in the end, but it's yeah. overall more of a tragic thing. Um, so then like, how do you make the rise of Skywalker a fun movie, a fun romp, but also have it be, you know, a significant conclusion to what potentially, depending on how you look at it, is just a big tragic story. You know, I think I'm more tempted to look at the, the, the saga as like three sets of three movies that, you know, kind of have their own arc between them and i would say the the, the prequels are more of the tragic ones and uh mm-hmm. and then the the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy are a little less that and a little more um i don't know i guess the hero's journey type thing or whatever not that that's not part of the prequels but yeah know. well i mean we can't really say what the overall feeling of the sequel trilogy is until uh we see this movie that's true that is true yes but i think um definitely it'll have a a mixture of tragedy and also kind of adventure and and hopefulness and all that kind of stuff going on in it right so it's got to have that and hopefully some uh some letting go of the past Mm. Mm -hmm. dude i just watched um i watched toy story 4 last night okay um for the first time Uh, have you seen that movie no no I don't think Man. I've seen Toy Story 2, 3, or 4. Maybe oh. 2. I don't know. Yeah. Ooh. You, you, I mean, 1 and 2 are great, but 3 and 4 are incredible. Okay. Um, and 4 is like a... Like, for, for the people who are saying, like, there's no way a Disney Star Wars movie is going to, like, end on, like, even a complicated note... Like, watch Toy Story 4 <laughs> because, uh, man, that is a movie about letting go of the past 
and it's not what you would consider to be like a quote-unquote happy ending even though like there's resolution i think and if... it's not a tragic ending either but it's it's, com- it's, it's complicated it's complicated it's complicated, it's complicated. so you don't have yeah. to take complicated characters and boil them down to just like a simple solution in the end for a movie to have a conclusion um turns out you don't okay good uh, even if it is a movie aimed at a broad audience yeah um it turns out broad audiences aren't completely stupid <laughs> so like just because you are aiming for that audience you can still like do something interesting uh as well i guess is something that movies can do in but... news that is completely stupid my watch just told me that my uh Bloomberg officially announced he's running uh, uh-huh. in the Dem- okay. Um yep. but uh, yeah no. We have I- enough uh like simple villains <laughs> in our current society yeah. that like uh, uh yeah. I, we have to go to the movies to see more complicated humans. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if uh but I think if you're if you're somebody who's out there saying like well be uh, Disney Star Wars they won't do this or they won't do that or whatever like yeah. you're already kind of discrediting yourself because um, I mean, Disney makes the Star Wars movies. They make the Marvel movies. They make so many different things. And the idea that, like, well, once Disney gets their hands on something, it has to be, like, a certain way or whatever, I think is just, you know, you're you're already proving that you're thinking about this in way oversimplified terms. And I, I just don't think that there's much evidence that the way Disney has made Star Wars movies is, like, particularly uh, childish or you know broad or whatever like rogue one you know the last jedi mm-hmm. um and even the force awakens and i'm sure the rise of skywalker whatever they how are they any less star wars or how are they altered to be i don't know somehow fitting into disney's like you know evil worldview or whatever than than any other star wars movie i mean they just which is and also like ridiculous to talk about in a world where disney puts out movies like inside out yeah and like moana and stuff and like they make these like in toy story three and four like they make these movies for a broad audience that i mean a lot of them aren't successful in like their goals but the ones that are like they're mass 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 market entertainment but like also like you know like modern myths like about the human condition. Yeah, I just think too, uh, and I was guilty of this when Disney first bought Star Wars, which I've talked about, you know, mm-hmm. tried to, you know, hold myself accountable for many times in the past, but yeah. I was guilty of this uh, initially, but I just think like, if you are going to the Disney Star Wars talking point, like you are, um, you're just taking the low hanging fruit. Um, and I think it's something that people love to exploit and use as a shorthand way of just it's just like a cheap shot against the new star wars Mm -hmm. stuff and it's not a thoughtful one and it's not based in evidence it's just a cheap way to kind of say to attack it so anyway uh i think the ending will be what it will be regardless of the fact that disney's financing it like that doesn't have any really i don't think any kind of factor into it at all yeah and then like also this the same people like didn't like the last jedi because it was too messy yeah and too like too political complicated and had like too okay i we can't I get into wanna... it yeah yeah no, no no um so uh yeah okay let's talk about the gl stuff the gl stuff okay 
They ask him, how does he feel about the fact that George doesn't like The Force Awakens? (laughs) Um, Dude, the actual question, like... Again, okay. He also reveals, talking about Bob Iger, he also reveals George Lucas's dissatisfaction, (laughs) dissatisfaction... There you go. ...with The Force Awakens. How did you feel about it then? How do you feel about it now? Yeah, but I like, mean, how do you ask that question? See, I, to I gotta Abrams? defend. I don't even know. I I have forgotten the name of the uh, interviewer now. We should look that up. But uh, I, I will defend this person again because, like, dude, Bob Iger put that out in the book, and then like every website on the internet ran a story about how George Lucas yeah. doesn't like The Force Awakens. J.J. Yeah. Abrams, to defend himself or to like you know be involved in that conversation if he just starts talking about it he looks like a tool he looks like he's defensive and insecure and all those things but if this guy asks him now he can like make a comment about it and so i think like i don't want to read just puff piece interviews with these people as the movie's coming out like i want to read an interview that asks these tough questions you know and uh i i know like um, some people have suggested that like maybe asking these kinds of questions is just sort of like giving a voice to more cynical or or angry you know perspectives about star wars or whatever but to me it's like no like let's hear what he has to say that's the most interesting thing you could ask jj uh jj abrams now because he can't talk about the rise of skywalker really so like let's yeah. let's hear what he thinks about it and yeah. his response also the most awkward thing you can ask jj abrams yes which i mean yeah that's why i mean i'm almost more impressed that he asked it because or she asked it whoever wrote this uh piece but because it's like it would suck to ask him this question, but you're going to get some good stuff out of it. And I don't think it's, again, I don't think it's like, dude, I know your movie sucks and George Lucas knows your movie sucks. So what do you think about that? It's it's not like everybody <laughs> hated the sucky movie like Force Awakens. It's not like, oh, you made The Force Awakens. That was a failure. What do you think about that? It's like, no, one guy didn't like it. And it's very publicly known he didn't like it. So what do you yeah. think? You know, uh, he says, I've only had gratitude for George. It's probably a complicated thing for him to decide you're going to sell this one thing you created that was your baby to anyone. That must be more complicated than signing a check and smiling about it. But he's been incredibly gracious. He's been super generous. He came over. We had a meeting when we first started working on this new movie. And right there, it's like, I'm glad the person asked the question because, you know, I mean, who's the, the people who saw the headline that George Lucas hates the force awakens. There's a, that's a lot bigger audience and the people are actually going to read this response. But if you do mm-hmm. read it, you see like, okay, yeah, I didn't like the force awakens necessarily, but we still talk. We're still working together. Like he still came over and we, we sat down across the table from each other and we had a conversation about what the rest of Skywalker should be. And you know, it's not like this great like scandal that George Lucas was dis- dissatisfied with the force awakens. It's a fact of life. And so like we could talk about it, you know, or he can talk about it, JJ, mm-hmm. So I think that's good. Um, we've done nothing. It's but like, It's like tiptoeing around like a divorce or something. Yes. Right. Right. It like, happened. Everyone yeah. knows it happened. So, I mean, yeah. you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah. We've done nothing. JJ says we've done nothing but try and adhere to some fundamental aspects of the story. It wasn't a difficult thing to try and do. And again, he was really gracious. So I'm only grateful. Do I wish that The Force Awakens had been his favorite movie of all time? Yes. I only wanted to do well by him. I would just Aww. say, yeah, I would just say that I have nothing but profound respect for the guy. And I'm still truly, even more so now, working on these movies in awe of what he created. So very nice response. Um, and then... Yeah, well, I don't know. Did you want to comment on that or? No. Okay. And, nope. and then they ask him, basically, they ask him, like, hey, a lot of people said that Rey seems preternaturally gifted, even for a Jedi, that she learns things faster than, say, Luke Skywalker ever did. Again, you might get mad that this person asked this question because it's like giving 
credence to the raise and Mary Sue thing or whatever. But to me, I'm right. happy that they asked it because now JJ can say, yeah, spooky, right? He smiles. It's a fair point. It's not an accident. Boom. I love it. Yeah. I love it. That's great. I love yep. the fact that he has the opportunity to say like, yeah, she did learn really fast. And guess what? We did that on purpose. So suck it. You know what I mean? I love that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And I yep. think it hints at the fact that, you know, there's more to learn about Ray in this movie and, and hopefully it's not that like, well, um, we took a cell from Obi-Wan Kenobi and we took a cell from Anakin Skywalker and we took a cell from Yoda and we put them all together and made a clone baby. And that's why she's so powerful. But I think it speaks to the confidence that they have in the character. Like, no, she's, she's a Jedi and she's, we've created a protagonist for this new series of movies that, you know what, people are going to compare to Luke Skywalker and yeah, she might be just as cool or even more cool than luke skywalker you know what i mean so i love that yeah and i think um like when you ask questions like this like you have to be confident that your interviewee is can handle them yeah and has you know is aware of them and has thought about them and is willing to talk about them. Cause I think like, uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm so used to like, uh, m- like modern, like, I don't know, just like modern politics, the current administration and like, you know, people asking like questions and then them like trying to like gaslight you to be like, no, who said that? No one said that. Yeah. Or like, oh, but this other person is like way more bad. Like, you should focus on this. Like, and after it's like it's so weird and refreshing to have someone like actually answer complicated questions, even if it is just about a Star Wars movie, because like we're not getting that in our society right now. <laughs> with all the questions being asked and so i think like yeah you you have to um n- be com- like you have to kind of know jj and like know that he's willing to open up about this stuff and has like a thoughtful answer in mind or else it would just be a disaster like it would be like him you know storming out of the room or whatever yeah but yeah but that he's not that guy True. Yeah. And it is in Rolling Stone too. So, I mean, I'm sure like, uh, not because it's Rolling Stone, but just because it's a print magazine or whatever, I'm sure that this interview happens, the story's written up, the story is sent to Disney PR, like they probably approve it or whatever. Or, uh, if, if not, maybe, maybe that's not true, but I, I bet it is. But even if that's not true, then, um, probably what happens is, uh, you know, at the very least, like if JJ gave, if JJ got mad and the answer wasn't good, like, you don't include that. Just, you just don't put that in question the in the story. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's another thing to consider too, is it's like, we can ask the question and if it doesn't, you know, land, then it doesn't have to be in there too. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. But you also don't want to like completely sour, like Rolling Stones coverage that's, of Star Wars yes. for the next 20 years. Like you don't want to well, ruin that right. relationship. I mean, they'll still be Rolling Stone in 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> in some form yeah maybe maybe yeah (laughs) i mean i hope so you know i hope so um okay last thing 
Uh-huh. And we're going to spend some time talking about The Mandalorian, a little bit of time. Uh, Colin Trevorrow talked a little bit about The Rise of Skywalker this week. Uh, yeah, I feel bad for him. I don't know what he's like as a person. Um, he comes across well here. And yeah. something I think that's worth uh, worth giving the guy some credit for, um, and hopefully it was an, an honest and, uh, and, and well-intentioned uh, thing and not just some sort of like, well, I shouldn't even say that. Yes, it's a good, let's give him credit. <laughs> let's give him credit. Uh, let's give him credit. Let's give him yep. credit. He's donating his residuals, which should be probably substantial, um, from the Rise of Skywalker to Alexander Divine Children's Hospital, um, because it, it came out this week or last that he's going to be credited for uh, story contributions on this movie, which means that he will be, I think, compensated um, in as far as residuals go. I don't know how that stuff works in Hollywood, but mm-hmm. he's going to make a little bit of money uh, off the gross or whatever of the movie. Um so it's not like he's just getting a fee for having written for it. I think he's going to get, you know, some kind of cut. Uh, small, but he'll get some kind of cr- uh, cut. So he's going to donate all of that to the Alexander Divine Children's Hospital, which is great. And I think the fact that he's getting a story credit probably um, means that, you know, a tiny little bit of what he had written um, or of the plot that he kind of came up with is also going to be part of this movie. That could be because they looked at his outline and said, we want to use a little bit of it. Although JJ has said, we started from scratch. So part of me wonders too, if it's just one of those things where it's like, well, uh, there are certain things that definitely would happen in response to The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, and they were in his story. And since he spent some time working on that story, and you know, we're going to go in a similar way because how would you not? Like, we'll just hook the guy up not hook the guy up but like we're not going to sit and try to argue about whether or not it was his idea or our, <laughs> our idea or yeah. whatever we'll just yeah let's just give the guy some credit and we already fired him from the movie and that sucks i mean can you imagine being hired to write star wars and direct star wars and then publicly you know being fired for it or from it or whatever it's like it's awful yeah, across I the board i think there's a lot of people who can imagine that okay <laughs> a growing list all right that's true <laughs> that's true that's true but but my point uh-huh. is like he's getting the story contribution i'm happy for him um, he's donating his money from that to uh, a children's hospital. That's even better. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not going to go into The Rise of Skywalker thinking, hmm, I bet Colin Trevorrow is really responsible for a lot of the ideas in this movie. I'm going to go into it thinking uh, he worked on it and they're going to reward him for working on it and some some maybe really broad ideas, um, you know, he shared with JJ and they, they agreed on or whatever. But I... I kind of don't think JJ took his script and ran with it. I think they they did their own thing. Um, but yeah, I and I also think like any part of the movie I don't like. I'll just be like, <laughs> oh, that was probably a Colin Trevorrow scene. Rude, rude. He's <laughs> donating his next. residuals to a children's <laughs> hospital. You're awful. Um, but he does. Uh, Colin Trevorrow does say uh, here that bringing back the empire was a, a, a or the emperor was a JJ idea that he brought to the table when he came on board. Um, and he says, it's honestly, honestly something I never even considered. I commend him for it. This was a tough story to unlock and he found the key again. Like, I just think he looks good in this interview. Um, because he's, he's kind of being humble and the word on the street was that that wasn't how he was when he was working on Star Wars. And I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> but in the interviews, he's coming across yeah. very humbly saying like, hey man, it was a tough story to figure out. I mean, I think like the, the subtext there is like, I'm not working on the movie anymore because I couldn't unlock this tough story and he did it, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's, yeah. that's pretty humble to, to almost say, dude, I don't know. He did it. I couldn't, you know, 
but th- I think that's what he's kind of saying there. So, uh, although it does make you question the the sort of argument from from Lucasfilm and JJ and stuff that, uh, oh well, yeah, the the Emperor coming back was there from day one in the Force Awakens. We knew the Emperor was coming back. Yeah, I. So the way I think about that is when I think about, um, you know, like best practice in teaching. Again, now we're going back to education where like you don't you don't give the kids the answer and you don't explicitly tell them how to do something. You give them the pieces and then, you know, you evaluate them based on how well you gave the pieces and how well they were able to like put the pieces together and figure something out and solidify their learning yeah so i wonder if it is something where like like lucasfilm is like all right colin we're still missing the one big part go back and check your work again yeah Yeah, i don't i mean who knows i think it i think it might have been a uh all right colin this script is really not hitting the mark man like sorry like we're, we're looking at your script and it's just clear that uh you're not the guy for this i think it might have been more of that kind of thing but i i do see your analogy that makes that makes sense but it was probably a rocky relationship and and there's been word that you know like maybe they or no i'm i'm mixing this up with the game of thrones guys actually yeah. i was like oh they they just couldn't they did they wanted to go in two different directions i don't know but um yeah i just don't think they liked where he was taking it so it was probably it was probably not like a ooh, you're missing one piece. Maybe it was like a these are the pieces. Like mm, uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like so, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, it's know. all it's all speculation. Someday we'll maybe learn a little bit about it. Twenty years from now, when we get that definitive book, hey, maybe in Phil Showstack's The Art of the Rise of Skywalker, there'll be a little bit on the the Trevorrow period. You know what I mean? Because some art, there'll be a little bit. Some art and but... stuff was definitely um, oh yeah being developed during that time. Um, so yeah i wonder if that will even make it into the, the tie echelon for instance at galaxy's edge that came from the trevorrow era oh, yeah. so yeah i don't know if it's in the rise of skywalker or not but it's at galaxy's edge <laughs> all right um lots of talk of the rise of skywalker and the mandalorian sprinkled in but we want to give a little bit of time here to um the chapter three episode the sin um, maybe the best episode yet, directed by Deborah Chow, who's awesome. Um, she gave a couple interviews this weekend. You point out in the notes here that uh, her father, um, her father's love of Hong Kong action cinema, like John Woo's Hard Boiled, um, is, mm-hmm. is is something that influenced her in making this episode. Uh, yep, I watched the episode again this morning, uh-huh. and that was like after reading this interview, and I was like, oh god. I totally see it. Like, I see it so hard oh, yeah. in that scene. Yeah. Um, I, I think you see it kind of throughout. I think, like, the entire um, the entire scene of um, the Mandalorian... Oh, spoilers, by the way. Um, uh, yeah, the yeah. entire scene of the Mandalorian extracting Baby Yoda... Um, like going into the building and just like the like the quick kills and the um all that like that's where it begins like all these like narrow hallways and just like using 
the environment in some like ways like it's it, it very much like after reading this interview it wasn't something i caught on my first viewing obviously but after reading this video uh interview i was like oh yeah oh yeah but then it like all like culminates because there's always like in like hong kong action cinema which i'm not like super well versed in like I, but i have seen stuff like hard-boiled um it just like there there is an escalation to the action and it like starts off with like you know one or two kills like in a hallway at a time and like it keeps uh keeps building up and by the time he was like rolling on a cart like picking guys off and stuff um you know towards towards the end there i was like oh yeah oh yeah like yeah <laughs> this is this is extremely uh that genre and what's interesting is like that's not really a genre that is kind of part of the star wars dna like obviously westerns samurai films you know 50s uh sci-fi serials are all like what we consider like the um the 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 force material um for uh for star wars but like definitely not like 80s and 90s hong kong action cinema yeah and that's like that's one of those things where like the mandalorian's like hey guess what star wars can also be this which it seems to like to do every week (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, for sure. No, that that stuff is awesome. She did a killer job with uh, the episode, and I think um, a lot of people are rightfully excited to see her um, Obi Wan show even more now that uh, mm-hmm. that she's uh, kind of put like maybe the best episode so far of the Mandalorian uh, out there. So um, I think she has one more this season too, right? Aren't her and Dave Filoni the two directors that have two episodes? I think could be wrong about that but anyway i hope so um <laughs> we know she's got six episodes of obi-wan because she's doing all of them which is great so yeah um, yeah and she's the it, we should note uh first woman mm-hmm. to direct uh live action star wars and the first filmmaker of age asian heritage to mm-hmm. direct live action star wars yeah um i want is she the first person of color to direct live action Star Wars? No, last week's episode was directed by Rick. Oh, uh, Fumiyama. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. So okay. But uh, before that, at least live action Star Wars. Then yes. So. And so yeah, that's like you know, all those, all those times where, like, white dudes on certain podcasts were like. Oh, what does it matter if a woman directs it or not? Uh-huh. What's it even matter? Uh-huh. Like, who cares as long as it's good? Like, and then like this comes out and people are like, "Whoa, that was a very interesting voice, and this is really cool." <laughs> and uh, yeah, maybe we should uh, we should try this some more. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, all right. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Werner Herzog implying he knows where the Mandos are or is looking. Which line is, uh, is there a specific line you're referring to there? So, yeah, that I noticed when I was watching it, um, this morning where he's like, and we still haven't looked up the name of his character and we still are just calling him Werner Herzog. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I feel like once I know his name, I'll still just call him Werner Herzog. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Herzog and Baby Yoda, the show. Um, so yeah, the part where he's like, 
you know, it's it's almost as difficult to find this much Beskar as it is to find a Mandalorian in these trying times. Oh, yeah. Okay, I see. And, yeah. like, and so that makes me wonder if, like, because we don't, like, the Mandalorian goes through and, like, kills a bunch of stormtroopers and stuff in um, Herzog's uh, bunker. Mm-hmm fortress i don't know um he doesn't kill the doctor which is cool yeah um i like that um and it was a it was a very uh spoilers for 2017's halloween film but it was a very like michael myers not killing the baby (laughs) type scene ah yes uh where i was like oh god is he like gonna do this Okay, no. Yeah. Okay, of course not. <laughs> like, he's a killer, but he's not like that killer. I don't know though, because I think that uh I think that doctor is like way overselling the whole like I'm scared and I'm super innocent thing, you know, like Oh, he could be. I mean, granted, you know, he does say, Hey, the only reason Baby Yoda's still alive is because of me, and that might be true, but like he just acts so meek and so scared all the time that I feel like it's uh yeah. It's a persona, and he's, and he's yeah. intentionally doing that. But uh, we'll see. I mean, he might because like if he turns out to be super evil, then like it'll be that much more delicious after all this. Like, oh my god, I just really don't want that baby to get killed. You know, like yeah, maybe not because yeah. I want to like torture it, you know, or be like really evil with it for in some way. That's true. Like he's still um, complicit for sure. But like his first line is like, "Don't hurt him. It's just a child." Yeah um which is you know if it turns out he's the worst then you know that makes that like that line goes from being you know a nice gesture to like super evil because you're planning on hurting that child and it is just a child you know what i mean so we'll see i don't know but yeah um he also confirms the gender in that exchange it is a him okay yep baby yoda is a him yep uh so there goes uh there goes baby Yaddle. Well, it has to be a uh, him because it's uh, a clone of Yoda. You know what I mean? So, no, just kidding. It's not. Um, Obviously, Snoke, but <laughs> or Rey, yeah. or the Emperor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> woo, bad ideas. Um, yeah. Anyways, the line about uh, the helmet. But, oh, so oh 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 oh. So what? So what I was saying was, um, so Werner Herzog. We don't see him in the mando's like um excavation yeah um and so like we can assume that he's still alive and that he's still gonna play a role in the story and perhaps uh he's going to like hunt down some mandalorians to uh you know or like kidnap a a foundling or something to like force uh, the Mandalorian into an exchange. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a good insight. That's not something I'd considered. I kind of read that line more as just like he's saying, "It sucks that most of you have been, uh, you know, murdered, destroyed, wiped out." You know, like it's <laughs> tough mean, to find yeah, a Mandalorian these days because most of y'all are dead. You know what I mean? I thought that's what he meant. Yeah. But you're probably no, you're yeah. probably right. I I think your uh, your conclusion there makes more. Uh, and not maybe not more sense, but is a, it's a little juicier. You know what I mean? There's there's more to chew on there. There's more potential for further storytelling if that's what he meant by that. So I kind of like that interpretation. Yeah. See. Yeah. 
Uh, also, there's the line, uh, I think a very intentional, of course, line in there where the the armorer, is that what she's called? She asks him, have you ever removed your helmet? Has it been removed by others? Um, so that's a little bit of a Chekhov's gun type thing right there, right? I mean, yeah. it's coming. the helmet's coming off. I mean, you know. Yeah, that's why the line's in there. Um, and we already saw we saw in this same episode we saw that he's willing to break codes because he breaks the bounty hunter guild code or whatever. Um, uh-huh. And so I think that uh, clearly we'll see him defy that um, for some important reason. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, and and the the trailer teased that as well. Um, it's a weird idea though. It's an interesting idea that like the Mandalorians are never supposed to remove their helmet, uh, especially because I don't know if you ever saw the Clone Wars, but those guys run around with their helmets off like crazy. <laughs> they almost never wear their helmets, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, and Rebels too. Sabine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, mean, like always has that helmet. I've off. seen Mandalorians with their helmets off more than I've seen them on. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those things where you know you got to wonder like. Uh, I don't want to have the debate now. That's famous last words from me, and I don't know that you would want to have it either uh, or that we'd even disagree. But, you know, there's so much talk about, like, well, there is the Star Wars canon. There is a canon, uh, and things oh, can... God. Yeah, no, I don't want to I'm have just, this talk. Dude, all I'm saying is that, like, it seems like this show is at least willing to say, you know what would be cool if Mandalorians didn't take their helmet off? Oh, but there's cartoons where they already did it we're going to do it anyway, you know, and I'm sure they can come up with an explanation for why that makes sense now. And it didn't make sense then, but I, it's obvious the explanation. What? Because it's a different time period and they're in hiding. I I guess, but it makes it seem like it's like this, like essential element of Mandalorian culture is that you don't take your helmet off. You know, it is for that culture of Mandalorians who are in hiding. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what. What I like about the what I like about the depiction of the Mandalorians in this show is that there's a lot more mystery to them, and it's uh, it's more like they're silent. They're I mean they're not silent, but they're just more quiet. I like the way that the Mandalorians are being presented in the show. Let's put it that way, yeah. okay? okay? And and I like, I like that too. But they're not gonna bring Dave Filoni onto the show and then be like, dude, watch us like completely disregard all that stuff you did no that's not it's not about that it's not about disrespecting or disregarding or saying that the stuff they did was bad it's about saying like the idea is that some star wars fans and this is propagated by lucasfilm to a large degree but some star wars fans look at the idea of the canon with a capital c as the idea that once something has been done it cannot be undone and once something is laid down in concrete it is immovable and unchangeable and i don't really think that's for me personally i would rather see them be willing to say well what we did in one medium or what we did somewhere else or like we're we can play with that a little bit it doesn't have to be like this like there is a star wars encyclopedia there is a there is a thing and you can't once it's done it's never you know i just don't like i don't think that's the point of having a story group i don't think that's the point of having a canon etc uh it's that to me is more regressive and more prohibitive than it is like helpful because like all this stuff can still kind of like tie together and be fun like you can read a book and know what's going on and watch a movie and know what's going on watch a cartoon all this stuff can like tie together and everything but you can kind of have different versions of things and you can do like in a cartoon maybe it was like really good to have them all run around their helmets off but like if you come up with this like story idea for this show um and it's a little different like oh maybe it's okay that the mandalorians seem a little different and act a little different in the tv version than they do in the cartoon version that's what i'm saying i'm not saying like oh the cartoon sucks so bad so now we got to change it i'm saying let's not be stuck in concrete with the canon because they both start with a, a letter C. Oh, wow. 
Um, okay, so I don't think that is at all what's happening okay. here. Right. I don't think okay. this is, like, proof to this agenda that you've had on this show for <laughs> five years now about what is it, is it... Yeah, it's that's not what's happening here. Don't mischaracterize my agenda. I clearly have one. It's My agenda uh-huh. is don't take the canon so seriously. That's what my agenda is. Like, that's all it is. This is... This is a different era. These are a different set of Mandalorians in a completely different situation. Okay. It has nothing to do with it being like live action versus a cartoon. All right. Okay. Okay. So, so, right. so. We'll let the listeners decide on that one. So, so your stance is that um, anything that would work in one medium would work just as well in another medium. And there's no reason to consider that different mediums have different strengths and weaknesses. Uh, I'm saying Mandalorians worked in the Clone Wars and they are working really well now in live action. And they're being presented really differently. Very differently. Their story has continued and there have been a lot of major events that have happened since the Clone Wars and even Rebels. All right. Okay. All right. Fine. Very good. Their society has changed. Uh, Well, that's true. So have their customs. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. I think that's part of it. I do think that's part of it. I don't think that's all of it. I think that's part of it. But okay, fine. I like... How about this? I like the way the Mandalorians are being you're, presented you're, in the show. You're, yeah, you're you're warming up to Mandos now. Yep. This, you are, this style. You are this style, because it's wildly you different. Like it? It's a wildly different presentation and style of Mandalorian culture. It's always been there. It's always <laughs> it's been there. It's just really the, different the than it was before. Yeah, it's so much better yeah. now. Um, well, <laughs> stories are continuing. They, there's there's time. Uh, there's since we're in the spoiler section, did you see that um, the the um, the infantry Mandalorian, the one that is played by Jan Favreau, or at least voiced by Jan Fa- John Favreau? Uh, John Favreau, of course, being the voice. Jan Favreau's his mother. John Favreau, of course, being the voice of Pre Vizsla in the Clone Wars. Um, the character he's playing now is called Paz Vizsla or Paz Vizsla. Did you know that? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, keeper of the canon, uh, 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 valuer of the uh, complex story lore of Star Wars. Um, that is the case. Now, I have a feeling that no one will ever learn that name, and that's just like a little Easter egg type thing. But. Yeah. There's uh there is a connection there. So yeah, I wonder if he is like a proper Vizsla. Like I wonder if he's from that line. I wanna. He must be. I wanna. I wanna. I wanna learn more about this. He must be. I. I and, yeah. And, and and it must be that in an upcoming episode we're gonna learn about how um, uh, the culture has completely changed uh, from pre Vizsla to Paz Vizsla. Um, pre Vizsla to post Vizsla. <laughs> yeah. Pre-Mandalorians being good to post-Mandalorians being good, Vizsla. That's where we're going. (laughs) All right. Uh, What else? Super Battle Droids. Okay. Yeah, Super Battle Droids. That was cool. Uh, Clone Wars. So we, uh, I mean, we're assuming like these these flashbacks during the the smelting and the hammering. Uh, This is the second time we've we've gotten these flashbacks, and they're always during the... um, yeah, uh, blacksmithing uh-huh. sessions. Um, Can I jump in real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the Mandalorian. I love the show. I think that is the. It has been in Deborah Chow's episode and in Dave Filoni's episode, and in 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 Rick 
Fumiyama, uh, I apologize for not knowing his last name exactly, in all three episodes. I think the the one thing where I've been like, I don't think this works and is very good, is the flashback slash in 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 chapter two it was when he was fighting the horned beast thing and he was like on the ground but like they do a thing where they go into like slow motion and they kind of have like you know they're trying to indicate that it's a memory or that like it's uh Mm -hmm. that that the character is like not in the right mind or whatever is going on but like i just think it seems it feels kind of clunky every time it feels kind of clunky i think the flashback of the kid like looking up the mandalorian as a kid looking up and seeing the doors close and all that it just like it all just to me it it looks bad it looks clunky and i mean not bad like it's not awful or anything but i'm like oh this show is smooth and it and i'm it just it looks really good and really professional and i get to that and i'm like it just seems like a clunky tv show like i just don't think it looks good so that's that's it but it looks different yeah but i think it's supposed to well it's definitely supposed it's to i'm just saying that i don't think they've done yeah. a very good job of making it look different cuz to me like, I mean, they did a good job of making it look different because it's noticeably different. But I mean, like, I feel yeah. like they did it in kind of a clunky sort of um, tacky's too strong of a word. But I just don't think it works very well. I just think it looks. It doesn't look good. I don't know. So. Hmm. Well, how did how did you think that super battle droid looked? He looked cool. He looked cool. Yeah. So so are we is are we assuming that like, uh, the Mandalorian. Oh God, I have to like do like. Why didn't I say it looks clunky? Why would I say it looks clunky when I could say it looks oh. clunky? McClunky. <laughs> oh. Anytime they go to a flashback sequence and they're going into like slow mode or something oh, now, slow mo mode, I'm gonna be like McClunky. Can't wait. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, uh, you're the you're the canon keeper. You're the keeper of the canon. So, uh, how far? Like, is Return of the Jedi from the Clone Wars? Because the Clone Wars would have ended in Return of the Jedi era, and that would be 20 years before A New Hope. So that's, like, not even 25 years before Return of the Jedi. So then five years after Return of the Jedi, about 30 years from... The Clone Wars would have been about 30 years before this. So if the Mandalorian was, like... Oh, and that kid looks about 10, so we're putting the age of, like, the Mandalorian. If it is... Somewhere and in his thirties, like, I would say thirty-five. Like late, I would say like late thirties to like mid forties. Yeah, I would. I don't know. I think that kid. Well, maybe. I think that kid looks more like seven or eight. And if it was like earlier in the Clone Wars, like not at the very end of the Clone Wars. Well, the Clone Wars is only a couple of years, right? So, but if he was eight and it's thirty years earlier, that's like thirty-eight, you know. But yeah. I mean, forty-five. Like late, I think late. no way. Okay, but up up to up, up to, to 40? forty-five. No, forty-five is too old. To 45. What's 45 minus 10? 35. There's no way it was 35 years before. Luke Skywalker's like 19 in A New Hope, right? That's 20 years after the Clone Wars. This yeah. is like not 10 years after that. So how could you get to okay. 45? Um, Ryan, could... you are the one who, like the canon is so important to oh you. My Capital God. C. You're... You're the guy. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well... I mean, why don't you know this? Because aren't the movies the primary text? Isn't that the only thing we should focus on? And we should know that inside and out. And that's all that matters in Star Wars are the saga films. True. True facts. Hashtag true facts. So, yes. so why don't you just know this off the top of your head? Because now a TV show is now a TV show's getting filtered. Pursuit? A TV show is getting filtered into the mix now. Oh, okay. So that's where okay. the confusion comes in. Hmm. Hmm. It's all very confusing. <laughs> liking good things i think he's in his mid-30s i think that's where his age is 
Okay, late 30s. Fine, late 30s, fine. He's in his late 30s. (laughs) So, but, so that's interesting, though. Like, he's um, separated from his family um, during the Clone Wars, like, by, uh, by Separatists. Uh, He's a, his planet's attacked by Separatists or in battle with Separatists. Or does he get rescued by Separatists? Well, I mean, it's a super battle droid that's trying to, like, kill his family, so... Yeah, but then, like, the like the door opens, and that super battle droid's right there, and he obviously doesn't kill him. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Is it, like, a Saw Gerrera, Jyn <laughs> uh, so type thing, where he, like, the battle droid pulls him out and is like, man, this Republic sucks, and you should be... You should be a separatist with us and then like the republic turns into the empire and like that's why the mandalorian is like yuck empire yuck republic yeah well yeah sure could be i mean we know why he's like yuck the empire because the empire wiped out the mandalorians right so that's why he's like yuck them yeah um but there's also a part. I'm just gonna jump ahead. But you, yeah, you know moving. that like the the relationship with the Mandalorians and the planet of Mandalore to the Republic mm. and to the Empire and to everything is yeah. complicated, right? It's it's a complicated relationship. Yes. it's complicated. So he would he would be like not probably wanting to join up with any cause, or like Mandalorians in no. general would not be one and wanting to be very linked up to any cause. And the Mandalorians in the show clearly are like not wanting to. Mm-hmm. they want to just maintain their own little culture and they don't seem to be engaged in any larger galactic struggle, at least at this point. So whether that's tied into his personal backstory or it's just part of like being a Mandalorian, I think it would make sense regardless, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's the part where, um, where you know, after he uh, delivers the asset and he's getting his uh, next puck from... Uh, from grief carga mm-hmm. um and grief and you know he's like well what are they gonna do with that kid um second time he asks it and the second time he gets the answer like you're not supposed to ask that question and then uh then grief uh is obviously not too concerned about it and he says you know if if it bothers you so much and you think they're doing something unethical like just go to the go to the core planets and notify the republic and uh and then the mandalorians like that's a joke like he has zero yeah. faith in the republic yeah in the new republic and like there's your sequel trilogy uh tie-in right there like that's uh that's fascinating yeah but it also like kind of goes back to like his personal politics of like not really liking any of those uh proper government systems that have kind of come and gone in his lifetime because he's seen it all yeah fair enough right on stuff um other best part of this episode um double payoff when he's uh when he's rescuing the uh the child and he's surrounded by four uh four stormtroopers and uh it pays off in two ways first he gets to use the new weapons the 
whippersnappers or whatever they're called. Oh yeah, the uh, uh, yes, the winged something, the whistlers, the whistler, whistling birds, <laughs> whistling birds. He gets to use those, which um, is I, I texted you that it's like uh, getting a new weapon in a Zelda game, yeah, a new item in a Zelda game, and then you get to use it on the mid boss. Uh, it was uh, he did that, so that paid off. Um, but then. Also, the line from uh, the first episode of The Mandalorian, when the stormtroopers are like, we have you outnumbered, four to one. And he's like, I like those odds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Boom. Okay. Very good. Boom. Yeah. Best show ever made. Yeah. Right here. That's... Mandalorian episode three. It's good. It's good. I mean, to me, I think the uh, uh, as we maybe wrap up our conversation about The Mandalorian here... <laughs> Uh, what, to me, what was the best thing about this episode is just how tense it was and how like, you know, the show, I think in a lot of ways is, um, banking on a deep investment from the audience in the safety of baby Yoda. And, uh, trust me, man, when I was watching this show, I was so nervous that something bad was oh, going to yeah. happen to baby Yoda. And I was talking to somebody at work about that. Cause like people stopped me in the hallway and asked me, well, what do you think about the Mandalorian? Or like, what, what about baby Yoda? You know, like everybody, I mean, when you're like the star Wars guy, then people stop you and want to talk mm-hmm. about it, you know? And a lot of people mm-hmm. are watching the show, which is great. But somebody stopped me and was like, well, you know, um, you, you know that, you know, nothing bad can happen to baby Yoda. You know, nothing bad can happen to baby Yoda. It's like, I know that here, but I don't know that here. Like, I don't know that in my emotions when I'm watching the show, like emotionally I'm scared you know and yes i'm i'm yeah. i'm can be kind of cynical or pragmatic or whatever about like how these stories are going to play out and stuff but at the same time i'm nervous for that baby i don't want to see anything bad happen to that baby you know just like when you were watching halloween i mean you probably knew that they weren't going to show michael myers murdering a baby in a movie but you're still nervous it's going to happen right it's just it's scary and uh deborah chow and the writers of this episode and just uh you know the whole thing they were able to like build that tension in a uh, a really intense way, I think, throughout the show, and it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Mando action sequence at the end was cool. Uh, That's cool. I thought I kind of already talked about that. I thought the 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 line where the Mandalorian was like, oh, "I gotta get, oh. I gotta get one of those rocket packs." Yep. I was like, mm-hmm. "Yep." I was I was actually gonna plug that in. Uh, that's the. Yeah, that's the 14 parsecs. Yeah. <laughs> that was like that moment. Yeah, that I didn't to love. To me. Yeah. Especially yep. since he's going to get one. You know what I mean? But um, even, 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 even if <laughs> he wasn't, even if he wasn't, I wouldn't love it. Dude. It's just a little cheesy. When Mando gets a jetpack, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. Also very obvious, but still I thought really well done and really good was the visual storytelling with that like little metal ball on the love that you know because like little baby yeah. yoda is messing with it and he's annoyed and then he puts it back and then like it's like when he looks at that little ball is what makes him say i gotta go save that baby that's a that's a that's a creature with like you know um individuality and is worth saving because you know of this memory and then at the end he just straight up gives the ball to the baby which is awesome you know to baby yoda's like <laughs> All right, I'm your daddy. I'll give you this little ball to play with. You so know, good. So, yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Oh. And and it and you know they can't really use words in this show, so um, it, it was an example of that. But uh, of how do you tell a story when the Mando like refuses to really say anything ever? Um, so I mean that that component of it it was really good. Um, 
but uh yeah no just communicated communicated a lot and like i mean i definitely saw it coming as i was watching the show but uh but i still enjoyed it so well handled perfection where do you think it's going in episode four uh i don't even want to speculate okay all right i just want to go i i have no idea so like i don't have really any speculation i just know he's going to go to a different planet and i know that he's going to be um there's gonna be a bunch of other bounty hunters after him now which is cool so he'll be on the run yeah i mean everyone's after him the of the you know herzogs after him the remnants of the empire are after him the other bounty hunters are after him uh well i mean that's really two factions because herzog is the remnant of the empire so it's like herzog and the stormtroopers and then also grief karga and the bounty hunters you know yeah so but yes well that's everyone i know i know know. that's maybe there's another mud horde (laughs) who's like wanting to avenge his departed mud horn friend that could be that could be yeah maybe maybe the the jawas got heartburn from that egg <laughs> and suga 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 <laughs> suga uh, <laughs> all right let's close out the show with uh, a, a quick email here from our friend um mm. mike harris uh Skymaller on twitter um he emailed us and said so we're coming up on a month from the rise of skywalker and i wanted to ask you both how you're dealing with spoilers from here on out Twitter blackouts and closing your eyes at the hundreds of TV spots that are coming, or are you diving right in? He says, I waffled back and forth, tried to do a blind viewing of The Last Jedi, only to have someone ruin it for me in my DMs on Twitter three days from release, so I'm not sure if I want to deal with the stress of avoiding. Take care, and may the Force be with you. So, Ryan, what's your take on spoiler levels? We've talked about it a little bit, but... Yeah, um, trying to stick with um, just getting my information from the official sources yeah. and the websites and Twitter people that I trust. Um, may have to mute a few uh, a few people on Star Wars Twitter mm-hmm. um, in the coming weeks, and then I'll do my usual um, probably three or four days um, before the film comes out completely cutting off social media yeah um and which is which is a great thing to do in general yeah (laughs) um to take time off um but yeah i usually do it um based around when the review embargo lifts um because i feel like that's when uh the floodgates burst is when the um when reviews are out there um and it it's pretty easy to infer things um i don't like reading reviews of star wars movies going into them um so yeah i think i'll probably just stick with the official stuff um like i said i'll watch tv spots one time i'm not going super in depth with uh anything and i'll probably read the prelude books um and then that's about it yeah I, uh, similar, I will, um, excitedly gobble up anything from official channels. So mm-hmm. if they, Daisy and John Boyega and JJ Abrams and those people are going to be on Good Morning America, I will watch those interviews. If they're going to show a scene from the movie on Good Morning America, I will watch that scene. If they're going to put out new TV spots, I will watch them. Um, I will, uh, yeah, read any press interviews, that kind of stuff. I'm into all of that. Um, I, 
will also go on a Twitter blackout probably the night of the premiere. So um, when the movie premieres, mm. um, I will probably like you know, which is like probably maybe the it's Monday night, like the Monday, yeah, something yeah, like that. It's the Monday. Sometimes I think yeah. it's even been the Saturday before. I I don't know. We'll see when it is. But whenever that yeah. happens, and that's before the review embargo. But whenever that happens, I will uh, probably hop off of Twitter and just. Um, stay away. Um, I'll know that I'll get a text message or two from Kevin or someone telling me what, you know, different uh, Star Wars people thought about the movie. I don't mind that. Like, and, and that is a little bit, you know, it's sort of treading the line, but like there will be, you know, people like voice actors from uh, like Sam Witwer, for instance, or Kyle Newman or, you know, Kevin Smith or whoever that'll be at the premiere. Mm-hmm. That'll be tweeting about it that night. Anthony Bresnikan. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'll like to see, you know, maybe a couple tweets from people but usually they're curated by somebody else who's going to send them to me because i'll be off twitter by then um so a little bit of that ryan looks like by the look on your face you might need to tell you know people not to send you that kind of stuff yeah Uh, i don't like i'll take one uh picture of kevin smith walking out of the theater with like tears in his eyes like I'll take I'll take one of those, yeah. but nothing else. Okay. Like I want to know that Kevin Smith cried. Okay. During the movie, but I don't know that much about that. Kevin Smith anymore. But I feel like we know that without even. I think we know that he knows that everybody knows that before he even sees the movie, right? I mean. Oh yeah. He, there's there's no I mean, there's no universe be... that exists in which Kevin Smith comes out of the movie and he's like, yeah, that wasn't good. That sucked, right? I mean, that's not going to happen, is it? Well, I mean. If that does happen, I don't want to know. Okay, yeah. If if Kevin Smith comes out of that movie dry-eyed, I don't want to know. Yeah. Um, don't, don't tell me. Yeah, fair. So, And then as far as the movie reviews go, too, like those are fun. But uh, basically what I do, because I'll break down um, like the day before the movie or the day of the movie, and I'll look at the Rotten Tomato score, and I will probably... <sighs> I, I look at a couple headlines at least just to see kind of what people are saying. Like, I, I can't... I don't want to read the reviews because I don't want to know why people liked it or didn't, but I want to know like, how is it being received by critics and stuff? And you know what? It's always the same with star Wars movies. It's like around 90 some percent. You know what I mean? They're usually always pretty good overall. Like force awakens was really good overall. Last Jedi was really good overall. It's not going to tell me that much. Like knowing that the last Jedi got really good reviews did not in any way like prepare me for that movie and like what it was going to be. If I read the reviews, then I think it would. You know, so I'd like to see just a little bit of like temperature taking from like those movie critics, but I don't want to read the reviews. See, I and I work with Kevin, and Kevin will be reading those reviews at work that day and (sighs) telling me what he's seeing. So Uh, not telling me uh, what they say, but like I'll know kind of what vibe people have about it. I I really think like it's an awesome thing to go into these movies not knowing what people think. Yeah. Okay. Like, because you get to, like, form, like, a super, super suga, honest. Suga. <laughs> yeah. A super honest opinion, like, right out of the gate. Yeah. And it's just, it's so pure and undiluted. Like, um, like I walked out of Force Awakens and I was like, that was, like, the best movie I've ever seen. And then, like, then I checked, and it was, like, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. People are with me. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. But at the same time, I think, like, The Force Awakens is a great example because that is what everybody felt for the first two weeks. And then all of a sudden, people were like, oh, it's too much, like, the, you know, yeah. Raising Mary well, Sue, yeah, and, and it's too never. much like this, and whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I just, I feel like, by experience now, 
you mostly it's all positive right away and then the complaints start to come out after the fact if there are significant complaints and stuff but i just i don't know i can't i just can't imagine looking at rotten tomatoes or looking at headlines and seeing a bunch of like eh, it's about a c plus like i just it's not going to happen with star wars like it isn't going to happen the movie's going to be better than that and people aren't going to say anything like it's just not going to happen I think, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Even go back and look at the prequel reviews, and they're like all good right away. And then all of a sudden, everybody decides they don't like them after the fact. But um, I don't know. But we're definitely not seeking out spoilers. We're not gonna be. We're not gonna be like looking for spoilers, assuming somebody's gonna spoil it for us anyway. So we might as well just know. Um, clearly, from our conversation here, we, neither one of us want to actually know plot details or like, you know, anything significant. We just. Uh, yeah, we don't, you know, we're a little bit, uh, there's a little bit of variance between how much, you know, the two of us want to know, but, um, it's definitely well <laughs> below significant plot points. Like neither of us want to know anything like that. So we'll be avoiding stuff and even jumping off of, uh, off of Twitter. Um, in fact, Ryan, I was thinking about it today. I think we have th- maybe three episodes left, um, before the movie comes out. I think three, three weekends, uh, until the movie comes out. Um, so not too many more episodes of the show to go um, until then, but uh, we'll we'll continue to talk about sort of like what we're hearing about the Rise of Skywalker from the press tours and that kind of stuff. I would assume next week we'll be talking about a scene from the Rise of Skywalker that we both watched from Good Morning America, as well as the next episode of The Mandalorian. And uh, don't forget that Star Wars Resistance exists, but it's kind of easy to forget about that at this forgot. time. Um, <laughs> I forgot. Did you watch last week's episode? I watched last last week's. I forgot that there's going to be one today. I have some thoughts about last week's episodes, but we're not going to talk about that now because I, I am ready to be done talking about episode. stuff right now. I'm ready to be done with this episode. I'm sure wow. if anyone's listening now, they're ready for us to be done as well. So we'll wrap it up now, yeah. but there's a lot yeah. going on, and uh, we will definitely... Uh, be back next week with another episode. Uh, if you want to email us like Mike did um, and let us know mm-hmm. what you're thinking about the show and or about Star Wars related stuff, you can email us at blockaderunnerpodcast at gmail.com. I almost forgot that, but it's blockaderunnerpodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can see all the episodes we've done and uh, find uh, any other content, Ryan, from us at uh, blockaderunnerpodcast.com. The show is on Twitter at blockaderun. Uh, Ryan, you're on Twitter at like uh, Canon King, I think. Uh, is that what it is? Yeah, bring bring back the the E. <laughs> uh, now, what's your Twitter <laughs> handle, Ryan? The Snyder Cut. Oh, uh, well, you're texting uh, me about Batman versus Superman this morning, so I wouldn't I be am. surprised. I am. Uh, yeah, it was a really bad take. <laughs> um, all right, yeah. Batman versus Twitter. Superman. Yes, it is a really bad take. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things. All right. Uh, Braundorf. B-R-A-W-N-D-W-A-F, and I no longer want to discuss fandom ever again. (laughs) (laughs) So Uh, I will just be tweeting about, I don't know, what else is there besides fandom? What what do normal people tweet about? uh, I don't know. Um, Politics? Cats? Whoa, Politics, okay. Well, but that's like a that's like the worst form of fandom. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. And it really is a form of fandom for a lot of people as well. It is. Alright, we gotta wrap this show up. Um thanks yeah, for watching. Everything's terrible. Everything's terrible, yes. Uh thanks for watching, thanks for listening. We'll be back more uh, back soon with more Star Wars. Yeah.